This is exactly right. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Of the Law & Order franchises, SVU is considered especially watchable. We are the amateur detectives who kind of investigate the vicious felonies these episodes are based on. These are our stories. Dun-dun! Another episode of That's Messed Up, an SVU podcast. My name is Lisa Traeger. And I'm Kara Clank, your other host. And every week we recap an episode of SVU. We talk about the true crime it's based on. And soon we'll be back to talking to guests because the strike is over. But I mean, who knows? I don't know if we're going to vote on this uh, thing. Have you voted? No. On the contract? No. I don't look at any. I don't. I don't. I've like taken myself out of society in a way. Oh, okay. Well, I don't I check vote, my I mail. Yes. I don't check my email. I don't have TikTok and I don't have Instagram anymore. And I've truly been watching YouTube shorts on my phone. So that might have to go soon too. Yeah. You've I, been slowly like retreating into the woods. Yeah. Yeah. Into the woods instead of out of the woods. Um, <laughs> but this morning in bed, I did check uh, a quick Taylor Travis update, but. Oh, come on. We need, that's it. We need that. We need that. Yeah, that's she straight from Brazil. She went right to Kansas City. So I love that. Oh, is there a direct from San Paulo to Kansas City? Doubt Actually, it. it's funny that you asked. They stopped in Florida. The, <laughs> they did a refuel stop in Florida. Of wow, course. you're really on that. I can't yeah. believe it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay, wait. There's a little bit of news. This episode is coming. Okay, listen, we're always in the time machine. I know this is going to be old news by then, but da 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 da. Rollins is coming back to SVU. I didn't even see that because I'm off the internet. I can't believe you didn't even text me. I because I knew I was seeing you in ten minutes. Oh, you just found out. I just okay. found out. I literally just posted it to our Instagram, like, honestly, 10 minutes ago. Kelly Giddish. So, Kelly Giddish. You know, I know Returning. I was like... Returning, yes. I will, stand, I will stand corrected in that, because look, it's on People Magazine that she's returning for season 25. And I will stand corrected. I think I said, I like Rollins. She's done great work. And I thought, I don't really think anyone's going to miss her. I missed her. I don't think, I don't like who they replaced her with. I didn't like, they need her. I like her there. I like her in Carisi. I want I want her back. And yeah, I want her back. And I, you know, maybe she'll maybe there'll be some nice serial killer episodes um that she can do, you know, some 
yes, professor analysis on. <laughs> I at this point I don't even care that she's like not qualified to play the Huang of the group, but like I want to have a Huang, so let's get her in there. Like I want to have somebody who's like telling me about like weird psychoses I've never heard of, weird diseases. You know what I mean? Like I want that like element back. So. Well, yeah, because um, I wonder if, you know, her whole thing of leaving is she has kids and she doesn't want to get shot at. So it could be in the realm of what you're saying, where yeah, she's, she's in like the a squadron consultant. helping. Yeah. You know, totally. Um, totally. I'm really excited. Yeah. yeah. Such, and she's been classy about it all. I mean, it's still such a thrill that I knew something we was had up. her on. I knew something was up because like a lot of you guys have sent us the, it's like a little video of, you know, that song that's like big on TikTok and Instagram. It's like, you're my little boo thing or whatever. It's yeah. it's Mariska and, Ke- and Kelly like dancing to that and like lip syncing it together. And I was like, oh, she's back on set. Like, and she's probably coming back, you know? And then this People magazine like dropped today. So thank you to everybody who sent it. I love that you guys always send us like, all the same like memes and stuff on mass, like, and are like, I'm sure you've gotten this 10,000 times, but here it is again. You know what? We're fine. You know what? Well, we're also, also getting. So we got that Spotify wrapped. You texted me. That's what me I was that just going to bring what up. You did text me. Yeah. Hello to our new listeners in New Zealand and the Philippines. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hello. That's exciting. I actually know two people who just got engaged in the Philippines. Oh, really? But I had, yeah, but I had known that he was proposing for months. He's like, yeah, we're going on this trip in the fall. And then all of a sudden they're like, we're going on this trip. And I'm like, is it fall? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? But um, yeah, so that's exciting. It and is- someone um, showed me the video of him doing it because I'm not on the internet. It is really weird in LA because of the weather. I think I've probably talked about this on the podcast before, but I do have to like remind myself what month it is like multiple times a week. Like I'm always like, but if it was, if I was in New York, I would know, like I would know because of the weather. I'd be like, okay, it's February. Like, oh, we're almost to March where it's going to warm up a little bit. You know what I mean? Like I, this, the constant sunshine and per, like relative warmth, I for, always forget the month. But Spotify rap season is one of my favorite times of the year. You guys are so awesome. And everybody's like sharing, like we got some people that are like, we're in their top point. Oh, one percent. They're in our top one point oh one percent of our listeners, or something. So that means they're like super listeners, and love that. Love you guys for sharing your Spotify raps. And I like to see what you guys also listen to. Like, if you like us, who else do you like? You know, because we get some ruined, which obviously is like our friends that we've turned you guys onto, and Trixie and Katya, who we talk about all the time. And then, um, yeah, we just get like. Some interest, a lot of like you're wrong about in maintenance phase, which I like. Other exactly right podcasts. Um, the ex- that's why we drink girls sometimes. But you know? we do want to know. So our top episode on Spotify was Abomination with Michael Boatman. So if that's something that you listen to time and time again, <laughs> or was that just a special week that they found us all? Like I'm so. I mean, we loved him. I know. I'm like wondering if that's like the first week that they like opened up ratings on Spotify. By the way, you guys can rate us on Spotify now if you want to. I mean, I don't. Because in my head, I like our Kelly Giddish scoop was like almost immediately after she left the show. I would think that would be where people yeah. would flock to. But Michael Bowman, our library guy, which is yeah. cute. Listen, I do have another Kelsey Brothers thing to say. And then we can, of course, plug the tour. We have a few more dates left of the year, <laughs> you know, just for Christmas. But um, who are the two people from It's Always Sunny that are married? 
Do you remember their names? Um, yeah, it's. I know it's uh, Caitlin Olson. What's her husband? Caitlin Olson and um, McCaffrey, oh, Rob McCallan, McKenney, yeah, or something. Yeah. yeah. So um, McElhaney. So for the so the Eagles do this like autism foundation, and they were auctioning off this jacket. And Rob McElhaney, he uh, it reminds me of anemone anemone from C-N-M-N-E. Finding Nemo. Yes. Is it sea anemone? Yeah. Oh, it's a not sea just anemone. anemone? You just so said funny. it right. <laughs> I know, but that that's what his name reminded me of. And yeah. um, I love that little tentacle thing. Anyways, so um, he bid $62,000 for this jacket. And then he was outbid by for someone bidding 100 grand, who ended up being his wife. Caitlin oh, Olsen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. So I thought that was like really cute. That's very for, sex in the city. It was for a Jason Kelsey jacket? No, it was like a Kelly Green jacket that his wife wore. It was like a limited edition. I have no idea. I mean, I, I know I'm a new fan. I have no idea why this oh, jacket okay. is special. Okay. I think it's an outdated green color that they don't use anymore. Something like that. But you know, they're obviously Philadelphia people. Yeah. And they're obviously the richest people I ever. I bet they're a fun couple. I bet they're a fun couple. They're for sure a fun couple. How I should ask be? my friend. She produces their um, like live podcasts. I should ask her if they're like yes, fun together. They, I, I would be shocked yeah. if they were not fun and into each other. I don't know, but who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Because I know couples that are miserable and their Instagram looks incredible. So you really never know. Because I've been, yeah, like I've been at parties with the other um, fucking guy from uh, Always Sunny, Charlie Day, and his wife, who's like also an actress and was in one of my favorite show, The Grinder. But I, Always Sunny is a big blind spot for me. And I feel like people are rabidly fans of it. And I just like don't know it. I just don't. It's a blind spot for me too. Yeah. Should we like watch it together? Oh my God. Should we I've start seen a, a couple episodes here We should here start a there. from the beginning virgins watching Always Sunny podcast. Like we've not, not that we're virgins, but that we've never watched a second of Always Sunny and we started in 2020. I think they get the reference. They get the <laughs> reference. Um, they didn't think that you are a virgin. Does anyone think I'm a virgin? I'm glad you clarified that. Um, Let's see who this Glenn guy's married to. Now I'm curious if they're all who they're all married to. We're just going on an always sunny hunt now. <laughs> yeah, for some reason. And I mean, people really love Danny DeVito. I don't know. It's all good. Wait, he's married to someone, Glenn Howerton. I he's married. Okay, he's married to Jill Lacayano. She did a guest appearance on the show, but. She's not as recognizable to me as the other um, women that we've no, been talking I guess, about. I think that he dated somebody that was on SVU because I feel like I was just on his profile, like seeing who he was. Like, oh my oh, that's God, so crazy. an SVU connect. There was we'll some kind of SVU connect to him, but now I'm now obviously they're not going to put his whole dating uh, history in in here. But interesting. Okay. Oh, I ran into a listener yesterday at Target. Uh huh. That's where I always run into listeners. Really? Um, Like, the only times in LA people ever come up to me and say, I listen to your podcast, is at Target. (laughs) I love that. It's happened like four times. Well, 
Um, I did something fun. You know, you're not supposed to do good deeds and brag about it, but I'll tell you, it felt great. And if you're in the mood, I would suggest you do it. But um, the comedy store had a toy drive with the West Hollywood Fire Department, the LA uh, FD. Yeah. And basically, I I picked a, an amount of money I wanted to spend, and boy, was it fun. I mean, I had the time of my life filling that cart up with toys. And I don't know, I just like the idea of the kids having good toys. And... Yeah, even if you get one amazing toy that you would like or your kids would like, I'm sure one of these people would like it. I don't know. It felt really exciting. So if anyone has extra income and wants to give around the holidays, I would suggest buying a bunch of toys. Because you get the the boost. You get the boost of the shopping, too. So you get the boost. And then, you know, you hope that, like, children are enjoying a fun time. Yeah, and I was also going to Because shout I out- showed up and someone brought a packet a package of Uno. I'm sorry, that's 4.99. That's not enough. Like I'll I'll say that right here. No kid <laughs> wants a packet of Uno for the holidays. That's a, that's that's not okay. So I'm saying everything is fine, but I don't agree. I think um, it needs to be something that you would want. Because that was my big thing issue with food drive stuff. It's like, obviously, people are happy to have food, but like, no one wants these weird green beans in water. So why don't you get people things that you would actually want to eat? That's just something I believe in, but no big deal. Yeah. I was also going to shout out, if you don't have time to go like shopping for toys, but you do want to help at the holiday season, a, a listener sent us from the Instagram account is called things.i.bot.and.liked. That's the Instagram. I will obviously post it on our Instagram <laughs> today, the episode, the day this episode comes out. But it has a big database of teacher wish, wish lists from Title I schools. My child goes to a Title I school uh, as well. And um, it's just like wish lists that the teachers need. So you guys know we're always like pumping up the teachers, but it's from all over the country. So like I'm looking at it right now. It's like New Haven, the Bronx, Cleveland, Delaware, like Texas. Like it's everywhere. You could just go on here and like help a teacher clear their list for the holidays. That would be very cool. And, um, you know, we're pro teacher on this pod. So that's another option if you can't if you can't go on a little uh, Target spree. <laughs> Um, well, and um, I saw, so do you know the LOL surprise dolls? Um, yes. Julia Wait, isn't gave that the one, one that Julia yes. gave? I literally messaged Julia four days ago and I go, they're still playing with it. Oscar and Rosie were fighting over it. My Our friend Julia, when I was pregnant with Oscar, made me a cupcake that looked like a vagina and it had this little doll's head coming out of it in the cupcake. And it was so funny, but I kept the doll because like Rosie loved it and they still play with it all the time. And I, Ooh, I, I, I should it. get her a so big cute. one. So they make them big too. And right now there's a Haribo LOL surprise collab where like the doll has a belly chain with little gummy bears hanging off of it <laughs> and colorful hair and like plasticky outfits. And then there's like all the, there's just like Haribo collabs with these dolls. So, you know, I was excited. Yeah. But you, you helped me out. I grabbed some Gabby's dollhouse was on sale. There was bluey stuff. I really, I did it all. I'm so happy, but I just got huge Gabby's dollhouse news today. I'm dropping, what? I'm dropping my son off at school and he has a hard time going in. He, he's he been crying going in. It's just, it's like, honestly, it's like a sense memory thing now. He's not unhappy to go in. He's just like, oh, this is where I start crying. 
It's like a tradition. And so outside of his school, there's a little bench that has a Gabby's Dollhouse ad on it. It's about wearing, it's about putting your kids in the right car seat, but it has all the characters. So we go look at it to like calm him down a little bit before we go into school. And this mom comes up who I've known since last year because her daughter was in Rosie's class was like, oh, are you guys into that? My husband's directing the Gabby's Dollhouse movie. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I was like, this is Oscar's favorite thing. And she was like, yeah, there's gonna be screenings. I'll get you into a screening. I was like, amazing. She goes, and if you want any um, toys, his office is right next to the big merch room where all the Gabby's Dollhouse toys are. And I was like, you gotta be joking me. Like, what are the chances (laughs) that like, I've talked to this woman all the time, but like, we never would have even like talked about that, I don't think. And so- I was like, this is a huge day for me. Gabby's Gabby's Dollhouse. If you well, remember, this is what I talked about with um, Amber Stevens West. We were talking about how our kids are both super Gabby fans. Oh wow! Well, my thing, and he's young, so he doesn't. He hasn't been poisoned by the world yet. But it's <laughs> nice to know that a boy is watching a girl show. Yeah, because Gabby, it like is kind. It feels girly. It's very pink the and toys rainbow were and girly, kitty cats. Yeah. yeah. But like when you watch it, the songs are really catchy. It shows you crafts. It tells you about like, like there's a really cute song that's like, I don't know how to do that yet. Like about how important the word yet is. Like you don't just say, I can't. You're like, I can't do that yet. You know, like it's a really cute show. I actually don't mind it. Rosie hates it now because he's Oscar's obsessed and she's like in protest. But I don't know. I'm I'm thrilled about my new um, Gabby's Dollhouse Connect. I don't know if any no, of the that's listeners huge. can relate. I mean, that's what's <laughs> fun um, in LA, I guess. Someone's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I do <Yeah>. that. <laughs> um, so that's exciting because everyone told me at the comedy store that Travis Kelsey had been there, that he goes there and he's friends with certain comics that are like, success- you know. I think and- that you're not that many degrees away from meeting him. I don't think that would be impossible. I don't either. I actually, um, yeah. Like I want, I, I've been thinking if we can retroactively go back to our episodes that have aired and taken out the judgmental things I have said about Taylor <laughs> and then air them back out just in case she finds it. Because Listen. now I am, I am so hardcore, you don't understand. Like, I just didn't even understand folklore. And now I am just like alone on walks crying, listening to these songs that and are four years old. And I think it takes old. a strong, you're a, str- you're a good person. You're a strong person. You're standing in your truth. You're saying, listen, I made some judgments about Taylor. I've changed my mind. Now I'm a huge stan. I mean, like- The songwriting's so good. The music is so good. And I did think about it. I go, you know, there is a bit of sexism because this bitch is prolific. I mean, the amount of songs she is writing nonstop and that we're even questioning whether she's talented or not when Ed Sheeran gets to just bop around in a flannel. You know what I mean? I mean, I- And Casey's wearing a flannel, no offense. I think both of us- (laughs) We're always saying she's talented. I mean, we were not yeah. saying she's untalented. I think we were like, yeah. oh, but compared to Gaga, and like, we shouldn't compare women. I get that, but like, we're allowed to have our favorites or whatever. But, yeah. you know, I think like the Eras tour, because we talked about her pre Eras tour or it had just started. And like, I just the fact that she performs for like three and a half hours, like multiple times a week, like n- barely stopping is like, you said it, you're like, sh- it's like an elite athlete. Like it's, you know, it's really admirable. And well, yeah, in the Gaga like, documentary, she would come out and sit in an ice bath and go, oh, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work. <laughs> so crazy. But listen. But yeah, it, I'm just so into all of it so much right now. Just uh, a lot of the songs that I didn't even know about. I'm like, even old ones, I'm like, Enchanted, where have I been? You know, but... <laughs> 
Um, it's definitely not all for me. I love the more poppy stuff too. Like I'm a weird, I'm a real we're never getting back together girl. Like I like a lot of stuff from like I think red and and that's like, so funny that's the yeah. one album i won't even have on my uh, oh on my i think I, Apple. That's the those stuff annoy I like. me <laughs> i like the poppy shit um i do remember i was dating a guy at the time and i mean i am ashamed about this because i would never eat at papa john's even before he came out as a lunatic like it is a subpar pizza if papa john's is your number one i'm telling you get some Domino's and Pizza Hut in your life. But anyways, <laughs> her, she was on, so he would always get uh, Papa John's and she was always on the cover of the pizza boxes. Oh. For red. Like, I just remember she had a collab. <laughs> like, you were like, think, fuck I that. don't think she would do that now. <laughs> I don't think she'd be on a Taylor pizza box Swift now. on the cover of a Papa John's pizza box is hilarious. If anyone has yeah. a photo, I'm sure we could find a reference on Google. Um, and you know what else I saw? Do you know that, like, when she's in the catwalk and, like, she's done underground, she sits on, like, a bobsled type of thing, and then it shoots her to the top of the stage because there's not enough time for her to, like, walk. It's too big of a stage. And so she, like, lays down flat on this thing, and then it zooms her as she's laying flat to her costume chair, like, Yo, to the other side of the stage. I want yeah. a fucking bobsled. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's pretty fucking cool. That's it's really, really cool. Yeah, but well, I listen. was like, what if I meet her? What if I, because, you know, it's it's the SNL connect. That connect is kind of like the most celeb heavy because all the celebs love SNL. And so they're, you know, they are like inspired by the SNL cast. So that's always, that's the degree. Because, you know, it's impressive. They're like writing shit day of, they're funny, you know. So yeah. I feel like celebs love going there. And so that would be the connects. But I, I already had this fantasy. I'm like, what, well, if I, what if I got to meet her? And then I told her about the SVU podcast. And then she came on to, I, I, we got, I was, I was gonna, I was like, I have to email Casey. I'm like, can we retroactively take things out? <laughs> Listen. Because you I, know if she heard one thing, we'd be done. We'd be in a song and we'd be done. We can would I never just have say, a career. Do you think Taylor Swift has time to listen to our podcast and to specifically find the episode where we maybe said something not 100% I'm, in support? I am I know she's busy. I'm going to say yes because now I've been watching YouTube videos of 10 minutes of Taylor being herself, right? So I've watched a bunch of these compilations. <laughs> And she watches a lot of us. She watches Law and Order and Dateline. Dateline's like her favorite. Like she's a crime person and she listens to other crime podcasts. Well, that's so, why I think you should open with talking about our podcast. And then, you know, if that conversation happens, we delete that episode. No, I would be like, <laughs> oh my God, you know, our listeners make us friendship bracelets that are SVU themed. I got to give you one. And I'll always just have them ready now. <laughs> like, anytime. like, you just be walking. You got to have five Taylor. to ten of those in your pockets at all times. I mean, I'm performing in Kansas City next June. I don't know. We'll see. Get her there. <laughs> there. Get her there. Well, I was going to go to Europe to go see her because she's doing London two sets five times. But she's going to be in Toronto. I think I'm I'm going to try to do that instead. Yo, also, I was so bummed we didn't get to spend more time in Toronto because I was just talking to our friend, Allison, who said it's the best and, like, was there for five days and said the shopping is so good and we didn't even get to see anything. Well, it's not even about the shopping. Allison was posting the food she was eating. Oh, yeah. There, and it looked so good. I mean, I've been to Toronto a few times, but the, she's, like, such a foodie. And the food that she posted, I I gotta get back there. there. We so gotta get fast. back there and spend more time. But listen, do you remember the cookies that we were gifted? The nibs cookies. Yes. Craig's co was it Craig's? Craig's cookies. We liked yes. Craig's cookies. Toronto, yeah, with the least. nibs. Yeah, the Twizzlers but. nibs. Listen, we're obsessed with all of you, and we're on the we are back on the road. Is that what you're about to say? Yes, no? I was about to say 
What I was going to say is, if you like seeing a woman do three and a half hours of nonstop songs on a tour, you're going to love two women sitting at a table doing two hours of SVU commentary. And that's us. We're on the road finishing up the 2023 tour, guys. Um, tonight, today, this episode comes out on the 12th. Tomorrow, we're in Sacramento. We had the best time in Sacramento last time we came. Please come out. Come see us again. We're doing, obviously, we're doing a new episode. It's not going to be the same. Um, new games, new commentary, new outfits, you know? So come see us. New York, the six o'clock show is officially sold out at City Winery. Um, but the nine o'clock show still has tickets. Come see us. It's the holiday season. I want to like pound eggnog and party with you guys. Let's do it. And then on the 17th, we're in Philadelphia. And, um, and that was the best last year too. So come back to Philly and see us. And then we, well, I guess we we really wrap it up on the 7th of January in Seattle at uh, the Wet City Comedy Festival. And originally when we posted about this, you had to buy like a day pass. And I think that might've deterred people because you had to buy a day pass to see all the comedy. The new link is up at thatsmessedoplive.com of where you can just buy a ticket to just see us. We're doing a show in Seattle that Sunday, the 7th. Lisa's and gonna be there on the 6th yeah. doing stand-up go see her. Um, so if you're going to see Lisa and us, it might make sense to buy the pass. But if you're like coming to see us, there's a separate ticket link, but go see both of us. Um, I'm also, I'm, I'm going to, we'll see. Hopefully I'll post about it this week, but um, I'm going to be in Boston at the Crystal Ballroom, which is, um, you know, where Kara and I both were, but it's like a bigger venue. So come on and see me. And I'll be back in St. Louis, I think at the end of January. So that'll be like a chilly fun time and yeah. a bunch of other things back in Chicago in March, whatever. I'll be, I'll be on the road, baby. Okay, yeah. I'm on I'm on Craig's cookies. They have Ferrero Rocher cookies. Are you oh fucking my kidding God. me? That's my Are you favorite. fucking kidding me? That's my uh, favorite. Mini eggs. They have mini egg cookies. What? They don't they don't ship outside of Canada. Pop tart cookies, York peppermint patty. Are you uh, <sighs> No, they don't. <laughs> if you're in Toronto between now and New York, and you're coming to our New York show, you're coming to our Philly show, please get bring us some Ferrero Rocher or mini eggs cookies and we will pay you back. I really want that if they don't ship to America. <laughs> well, to you know, US. I went to, um, I was performing in Winnipeg when Black Panther came out. So I went to go see it um, by myself and I got the kids pack and the kids pack came with mini eggs. You can get mini eggs at a movie theater in Canada. I love that. And you know, mini eggs are year round now because they do an autumn mix and they do a Christmas mix. Of they them. they um they crumble to the pressure because what I always respected about them was they weren't even yeah. after the holiday sale. Like they were taken off the shelves, but I think we were just too ravenous. Yeah. You know, we're just too intense. No, everyone but. just want they're all after the profits now in the candy world. Um but <laughs> Listen, come see us live. That's messeduplive.com is where all of our dates are. And then, yeah, message us and let us know where you want to see us in 2024. If there's places we haven't been or uh, places you want us to come back to, let us know. We obviously want to get across the pond to the UK. We're dying. Um, so tell your friends. Let's build up our listenership there and so that we can we can undeniably buy a ticket across the Atlantic. The, the, Atlantic Ocean. Um, and wait, I read, that. I saw something online that the Pacific Ocean is more dangerous to fly over than the Atlantic or something. Like I saw something that said, the mo okay, we gotta, we gotta start. Um, we're, I'm, we gotta start. Yeah. Casey has abandoned the flag and has shown us a picture of a crying face to let us know how over our time we are. That makes sense though, because the Pacific's much bigger, isn't it? 
yeah, they were like the most dangerous flight you can take. And it was something to Australia. And I was like, I've taken that flight. Yeah. Like, I think I've done it. Um, but I guess uh, people don't like to fly over the Pacific, which I didn't really know. Yeah, most of the times I feel like you see the ones that go down without a trace. It's the Pacific, but you know. Um, my brother's in Japan right now, so let's wish him all luck. Uh, let's get started, guys. We have an awesome episode for you today. Let's go. Today we will be doing a misunderstanding season 17, episode 12. So that's thrilling. Um, we're in therapy. That's where we're opening. Benson's talking about someone named Richard with a ruptured spleen and internal bleeding, and then a test. And the therapist interjects and is like, wait, the teenager was raped. She confirms that it's going to be a long road for this teen. Um, but also the jo- Joe, the ringleader of this attack with his girlfriend, were both serially abused as children. So I was like, what the fuck's going on? What they're talking about is the crime from last episode, just one episode prior. We will be doing it. We're holding out for a guest. So that is what happened. Um, So it's called the Townhouse Incident. Um, And it's a home hostage situation. And Benson gets stuck inside. Dun, dun. The townhouse. Okay. So she's telling her therapist about the experience because she was held hostage in there and it was like a fucking... It was, it's an insane episode, honestly. And uh, he had brain damage, the ringleader of the crime. So it's an endless cycle of abuse. And the therapist is like, well, why don't you just stop? What would happen if you stop? And she says, I can't. And he's like, yeah, you... But you just said it's endless. And so, like, just stop. Like, I hate... This is the worst advice I've ever gotten. Um, but he, she says, I have hope. And classic, she's like, I'm fine. I wasn't even shot. <laughs> I wasn't actually <laughs> shot. So maybe a bullet grazed her and she feels okay with it. And he's like, okay, how about nightmares and flashbacks? And she's like, well, yeah, duh, but that's nothing new. And so he changes the subject um, and asks about Noah. And she says she can barely let him out of her sight. It's all she could think about. It's all about Noah. And he keeps trying to make her quit. And she's like, no, I don't want to quit. And he's like, what? No one else can do what you do? And she goes, I am back because I am ready to be back. And you need to fucking sign off on that. So I'm sure he listened to Detective Benson. And we cut to a high school hallway of students zipping around the lockers being shut. And then there's a girl and a gay across the hallway making eyes at each other. I think it's a guy. And I think my... (laughs) <laughs> My Google <laughs> Docs changed it to gay. <laughs> I think um, he is loving her outfit and he is letting her know with his eyes. <laughs> the girl and the gay making eyes at each other. Oh. Um, yeah, maybe he's bi, but as what we know is it's just, it's a guy. <laughs> it, they are her, sexual looks. <laughs> they are sexual looks. Her name is Abby. She has brown hair and a headband. And I think headband means you're a loser. And then her friend is, I'm assuming, is a slut because she has very heavy makeup on. And uh, like, like rouged lips, like truly like an 1800s, um, Madam, like it's very intense makeup for a young teen. And did you recognize that this girl Abby was in the episode Underbelly, where she, like she runs away from home and then she becomes friends with this pimp and he's obviously trafficking her. And then, she, but she keeps being like, "No, but I love him." And like Danny Beck's trying to get her away from him, and she keeps like running back to her pimp boyfriend, who's like abusive to her. It's so interesting because I don't remember that one in particular, but last night I was watching a ton of season 13 and there's a similar story. 
with Dominic for Moose's, like, the parent, and he comes to get her girl, and she's like, my yes. pimp loves me. So it is, they do um, go back, you know, they <laughs> they have to hit the points again. I think they try to show the complexities of, like, trafficking and, like, how girls get into these situations. Because I think so many people think trafficking, as we've discussed on this podcast, is, like, you're walking along the road eating an ice cream cone with your friends, and a van picks you up and throws you in there, and, like, you're suddenly being turned out, you know? But it's that, it's it's like a lot of times it's like, no, he makes me feel like I'm his girlfriend. And then it's like he's sharing me with his friends suddenly. And then suddenly I'm working for him as a full-time sex worker, but not a sex worker who's doing it on her own volition, like a child trafficked sex worker. So it's interesting. They they do hit it a lot on the show. But anyway, go on. Headband equals loser. <laughs> well, yeah, because like I said, I was watching season 13 and then I watched theater tricks. You know, an actress is raped on stage and it's like, who did it? And it was like a third party not included in the emails. And that reminded me of that episode we did with the monster. Oh, yes. You know, like they do yeah. every few years, there is kind of the touchstones of, and, <laughs> yeah. but then sometimes it switches. Sometimes it's like, well, he was sleeping while he raped, so it doesn't count. And then sometimes they're like, <laughs> he was drugged and blacked out, but he needs to serve his time. So yeah, that's yeah, also yeah. funny where it's like, it kind <laughs> of is a twist, but we love you, SVU. I did not recognize Abby, but good for her playing like a young teen for years. Cause that was Underbelly season eight. So that's wild. Yeah. that That's almost 10 years of acting like a child. That's incredible. So anyway, <laughs> so it's the headband and the slut. And the slut is like, oh my God, Chris Roberts is staring at you. And this Chris Roberts has like a Zach Morris hairstyle, but like a very baby face. It's clear he's a child. And this girl can't believe the senior is looking at her. And the dudes around him are like, you better hit that, bro. If you don't, we will. Unless you want the shot. And he's like, no, 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 sure, totally, for sure. And the girls run off laughing. Um, we're in a cool classroom and the kids are at one giant table like it's Arthur's court. So we know it's a rich school. And they're talking <laughs> <laughs> Romeo and Juliet, two houses divided. And I don't think that's going to be the first time we hear about that reference. Okay. And then a hand with delicate gold rings sneaks her cell phone out from under her notebook. Chris is texting her. He asked her to the solstice dance, <laughs> which is really funny for a private school to me to have like a moon dance. Um, she is so pumped and her slutty friend sends Chris photos of her, um, of her friend. She's like, Abby, pose. And then the parents are taking pictures. It's dance time. The parents are super supportive and cute. And the slut is in a low red, red cut dress. Low cut red dress, which red is, that's the international color for slut. Sorry. I don't mean, yeah. yeah. It, it, you're no, not wearing red I, to a dance. Famously, I wore a red wet seal tight dress to my uncle's wedding when I was 18 because I thought that, I did not know yet that that was the international color for sluts. Well, you <laughs> know what? It actually means even more at a wedding. What? I just learned this. Um, wearing red to a wedding means you had sex with the groom. <gasps> no. <laughs> My yeah. uncle? <laughs> yeah. I just learned that, but I guess it's like ex-girlfriends come wearing red. Oh, shit. That is fucking, that is cool. I didn't know that. Um, it's wild you said wet seal. There's someone on TikTok. This I went down a rabbit hole. She's like, I don't know, who cares? But she wore a $37 dress to her wedding from Shein. Wow. But she looks incredible. Like she, but she said it did rip by the end of the night. 
the butt was <laughs> ripped, but it worked out. Um, so anyways, so Chris texts her, are you H? And I don't know what that means. Do you? Are you here? Are you Is here? It, are you horny? <laughs> no, I don't know. Wait, look can it I up. Google go it to really Urban. Quick? Di- yeah, go to Urban. Go to Urban Dictionary, baby. Because, like, usually we get, yeah, are you horny? Are you, it is, are you horny? It's uh, the first result. What does R-U-H mean? The first result is an online slang term that means, are you horny? Well, that makes sense because then her friend in the red says, that's good. That means he's into you. So then the slut friend continues texting on Abby's phone. They're together at this dance party and he gives her a swig off his flask and it's a giant flask. Like the whole point of a flask is to be secretive and they're children at a dance. (laughs) This flask is like you would buy at a country Western, um, like gift. Ch- it is giant. It is the size of a book. It is, you are not, I don't it's know where he is. It's a novelty. That's the word I couldn't think of. Um, it's just so big. So they start making out and taking sexy pictures of themselves kissing. He does it selfie style, but she's loving it. She's loving the attention, giggling. He asks her to go downstairs and it doesn't look like a school party. It looks like a home in the into a basement. Like, I'm very confused. We learn later it's a dark room and I guess the dance is happening on top of the photography lab. Where are the <laughs> chaperones? Why isn't it in a gym? I'm so confused. Well, no. Dance, like our prom was somewhere else, but homecoming yeah. and turnabout was in the gym. Yeah. But Proms still, were at hotels. But but this is the solstice dance. But the gym and my dark room were opposite ends of the school. Like, there's just... But you and I both went to public school, so private school is like a different breed. I guess they're having fucking... They're having dances in their architecture suite or whatever. I don't know where they're having dances, but, you know, it's not... It just doesn't look like a school to me. Yeah. But they go downstairs and, you know, he's wearing flannel. She's um, got her headband off for the night. They aggressively make out and she does ask, slow down and not down there. He says, sorry. She says, not so hard. And he's like, you're so hot. And she groans and is like, not into it in any way. She walks home from the party in like a white winter coat with a fur um, fur around the hood. And uh, my parents would never let me buy a jacket like this, I had to cover my butt. Because to them, having your back revealed in the winter is d- defeats the purpose of a coat. Especially in Chicago. I oh was never God. allowed to have a cute little coat. It had to be giant and under my butt. <laughs> <laughs> it had to. <laughs> but if you see my winter wear now, it makes sense. It had to be under my butt. It's so funny. <laughs> It's oh devastating. God. I wanted a cropped little jacket from Guess, you know, yeah. but but your little buns happen. would have been frozen. I think your parents <laughs> were looking out for you. Chicago, the cold cuts through your clothes. It, it really does. But and it's Christmas time because we see in the home when she enters, there's a oh, Christmas yes. tree behind her parents, and she, you know, they ask her what's up. She goes, "It's fine." And she's she's just tired and she runs upstairs. And they're worried, but they think it's okay to give their daughter some privacy. Her phone buzzes and the text is from Chris and it says, great time tonight and I'll see you Monday. She just writes K. 
Now, that is aggressive and that means bad. Like, the fact that this teen did not read into the K is bad. Like, that is aggressive. And if someone writes that to me, unless they're older, and then I'm like, they just don't know. So then there's a buzz again. And Daniela, her friend, wants details. She slams the phone down in a rage, punches her bed, snuggles with a fuzzy sheep, stuffed animal, and which I think is like a powerful move direction-wise. Like, to show that she's young. Um, And she just seems really stressed out and it goes to the credits. So we're back and the cast is, like, the cast photo, Benson has the stick straight long bob center part and it's very sexy. So, um, and Rollins is having a baby. So she's holding the baby. No, she had the baby. And so she's holding the baby and there's balloons and Dodds, Carisi, Finn, and Benson are all into seeing the baby. And they all start talking about Amanda like she's not standing there and they're like talking about different options for maternity leave and she could do this or my sister had that and this and that. And she just goes, shut up. Like, stop talking. (laughs) So then Rita Calhoun, a.k.a. Elizabeth Marvel, runs in in a rush and you got, um, and she just goes, you got a minute, Benson? And then she sees the baby and goes, wow, a baby. And does not care. It's It's so so funny. It's It's like great. It's a great fucking line. It's just so telling about her. And Benson's like, wow, okay. So they go in the office. She's representing a 15-year-old freshman. Her name is Abby Stewart, and she's the victim. And that stuns Olivia. She, of course, assumed that she was defending a teen rapist. She goes, what is this penance for representing a serial killer? She goes, damn, you're still going to hold that against me? And And Benson says yes. And I looked on the wiki, and I looked at the list of her clients, and I couldn't really pinpoint which one it was. I think it's Carl Rudnick. That makes, yeah, that's Yeah, it's Carl Rudnick from that double episode with the, yeah, the devil's dissections and the criminal pathology. Okay, so so that's what we're talking about here. And then Elizabeth doesn't care about, like, she knows what she does for money. She doesn't care. (laughs) And she's just like, listen, um, my good friend from school, from her youth, like, they went to this board, like, fancy school together. She goes, her daughter, Abby, was raped at a school dance last Friday. They went to their local precinct who told them there's no case. And Benson goes, well, that's how they keep their rape stats low. And she's known Abby since birth and she's not making this up. But like, you know, you know, it's classmates. She willingly went down to make out with him. There was consensual foreplay. And Benson goes, none of that matters. You know that, Rita. And she sighs, like knowing that that's something she would use to help get her rapists off. But it's tough. It's a late disclosure and there's no rape kit. But the maid did see Abby's dress was stained and showed it to her mom and that's come. And that's how the story got out. And Abby's so introverted. She was a virgin and she asks Benson to meet with her and she says, of course. So we're at the house and the mom to Benson goes, well, Rita says you're the best. And Benson goes, yes, but also this case is complicated. And Carisi explains the next steps to the parents. We're going to need statements. We need access to Abby's friends and social media and we need the dress. And this is very Lewinsky of it all. Why did Lewinsky's friend fuck her over just for clout? Was it Linda Tripp that like gave the dress away? Like what the fuck? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, like honestly, like I only know what I know of this from watching the Beanie Feldstein, Sarah Paulson, like, you know, dramatized version of it. But like the way that you, that they characterize Linda Tripp was that she felt she was a lot more important than she was. And she constantly kept getting like demoted and moved because people found her annoying. Like, and so like Monica Lewinsky, that's like this little girl, like 
like have, having sex with like the most powerful man in the world, like that like annoyed her, it feels like. Like she thought she was like doing the right thing for the presidency. Like she had to like defend what was correct. And I think she thought it would make her a big, she thought being a big whistleblower would like make her important. And it honestly got her like fully ridiculed, like Saturday Night Live sketches, like the worst. I mean, like John Goodman played her in a Saturday well, Night Live sketch. Like she did not get a good look out of this. Yeah, if we're talking Washington politics and how to go up the ladder, I don't think revealing affairs is the way to do it. No one really wants that because they're all cheating on their wives. So like, you know what I mean? Like for her to be like, this will get me in with the guys is like really so stupid. Yeah, but I think she... She might have thought that, like, you know, like, she might have been a Republican and been like, get Bill Clinton out of here. I mean, like, my parents hated Bill Clinton, you know? And so, like, maybe she was, like, from that camp and was like, get this guy out of here. He's a piece of trash. But I think, honestly, when you boil it down, she did it all for attention. Fuck. Changed. I mean, I guess Monica's probably how to be a good friend. (laughs) No. The other time I remember come on her dress was the movie The Sweetest Thing. Is that something that's important to you? No, no you I don't seen know it? that movie, really. Oh, no. it's Cameron Diaz, Selma Blair, and Christina Applegate. And Cameron um, Diaz has so much cum work in her repertoire. Like, the something <laughs> yes. about Mary. Yes. I. That's another thing. I didn't get that as a kid. I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> yeah, you're like, why does her hair look so wacky? I'm like, like what's he doing bit- in there? <laughs> I was a little bit older than you when that, well, I'm always a little bit older than you, but I was older than you when that movie came out. So I got it. But that's so funny because you were probably like me watching Dirty Dancing. Like what's happening? <laughs> no, but there's a whole dance number after Selma Blair has like jizz on the dress. They all meet at this Chinese restaurant and they sing a song called It's Too Big to Fit in Here. Like a full <laughs> musical number about a big dick in a Chinese restaurant. But some versions, the song isn't in it. So you have to like, find the right version with the song. But it is crazy. They're all like doing solos. It's wild. That's insane. Oh my God. It's a really fun movie. We should watch it. Yeah. We should. It's really a fun... Maybe, you know, we have a frozen pizza left that Casey got us for last Christmas. Maybe we can... Oh, we do. She fucking had it with all her family. I haven't even had a pizza yes, yet. Yes, let's have a little pizza party. Yeah, or do we watch a horror movie in honor of Casey? I made one when they first came in. Are they still good? Of course, it's frozen pizza. I guess so. No, they was good, especially like, yeah, like in the oven where you where you put it right onto the thing so that it's crispy on the bottom. Like you don't put it on a pan, you put it right onto the grate. That's the whole point of having frozen pizza. It's like you keep it in there until you're so depressed and sad that you make it. <laughs> I'll be honest, Lisa. He sent three. I just checked the other day. There's only one left. So I guess we ate two. Sorry, but you'll, you'll definitely have the third one. Yeah, sorry. I thought I only ate one and then we had two left, but the last one's for you for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you have to watch movies that I make you watch. Maybe I'll make you watch The Human Perfect. Centipede to punish you. No, no, please. <laughs> Okay, so we got to talk to Abby. We're back. We went on a cum dress tangent. We brought up the pizzas. And now we're back. And we have to talk to Abby without the parents. And Rita's like, yeah, we're all aware. And so we're in the girls' room. And let's just say the housekeeper is dressed in chill clothing, which means this is some old money shit, okay? She's wearing jeans and a little blue top. (laughs) Abby explains she's known Chris for years and they're in drama club together, but not really friends. Like, he didn't notice her until a couple weeks ago and started texting her. And she said, 
said it was flirty um, for sure. And uh, and Rita interjects, we have the texts. <laughs> and Abby says she sees him in school and they've communicated and say hi, but she, she didn't know what else to do. And she's wiping away tears. The parents are with Carisi downstairs. The mom knew something was wrong because usually she comes home and wants to talk after going out, but she went straight to her room. And Pilar is the savior who found the dress and she's such a whore. She knew immediately what it was. And yeah, I so, love Pilar. Like kids have stains on their clothes all the time. Pilar's like, this is cum. Like I, <laughs> this is fucking cum. <laughs> and after the mom asks about the dress, she shared what happened and it cuts back to Abby. They were making out. He asked to go somewhere private and she's like, I liked him and I wanted him to like me. And Rita, in a way we've never seen before, is like, that's normal. You can want to kiss a boy. It doesn't mean you want more. So he took her to the school dark room and that's where people go to hook up. So I guess people just go to this dark room to hook up in school hours. Like, the school is wild. And he puts his hands under her dress. She said she got nervous and Benson's like, what did you say? Did you say stop? She goes, yes. And he didn't listen. And he pushed me against a wall and she felt him get excited and pull down her underwear. But um, so he used his fingers, uh, but he was so young. He tried to rape her and was grinding on her. She couldn't move or speak. So I guess she didn't say no, but she certainly didn't say yes. And it wasn't really getting in. And he kept saying she was so hot. And then he came on her dress. So... She doesn't understand why Chris would do that to her. So we have to go talk to Chris. And he's old money too. There's big leather chairs. There's a library. And he says, I mean, we visited one of your friend's mom's homes in Boston. And let me tell you, that little library with leather chairs they had, <laughs> that was a dream. That was a dream. I Well, that, fa that family is connected to the true crime. They'll come up later. This true crime? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Not, not directly connected, but I'll let you know. What are the chances that I would bring them up? That's crazy. I can't believe it. <laughs> I mean, I this this house had so many sitting areas, but the leather. I just, I think I want an old timey library with leather chairs. <laughs> I really do. It's not going to match the rest of my dream home in my mind, but yeah, it's going to have a little dark corner, <laughs> a little your, Trey your McDougal. Is be like tchotchkes, a corn stool, like cool, all this cool, like modern shit. And then it's like this old ass leather book reading room. <laughs> I just great. think it's just like sexy to me. Like, I just love the idea of curling up in a big leather dark chair with those green lamps and like, I just like it. Yeah. I don't know. Am I, I'm sure it's SVU influence, to be honest. Um, so... <laughs> He says her and Abby are friends and they went to the dance together and Dodds and Finn are like, so tell us what happened. And the mom is like, well, what exactly is she saying that happened? And this bitch you're going to hate throughout the whole episode. Like she is what is wrong with um, like womanhood in the world. Like this character, this mom. So they're like, we want to hear your son's side. And there's a white haired uh, dad with a tie and he goes, sides? He hasn't done anything wrong. And it's like, you don't even fucking know. You don't know. He could have truly buried a body and evidence everywhere. Like, you have no idea. Why are it's you immediately like, saying he did nothing wrong? Yeah, it's this, like, hashtag boy mom, like, my son can do no wrong shit, where it's like, I know my son didn't do anything wrong. It's like, have you ever sat down and had a conversation with your son about consent? Because I bet you, you definitely haven't. Like, you know what I mean? But I just know in my heart of hearts, there's no way he did anything wrong. Like, how do you know? Yeah, it's like your husband's an asshole. What makes you think your son's not going to be a dick? Yeah, you know? I'm, I'm a good person. I've shoplifted. <laughs> 
I've done, I've done, you know, like I've done bad things. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. Yeah. The, the, so the detectives are like, well, there's no harm in telling us about it then if he's done nothing wrong. So he talks. He says him and Abby were dancing. They made out a little and she was into it. And Finn goes, anything else? He brings up the dark room, which is code for, and he won't even say it, but they were fooling around. And it's like, if you can't even say out loud that it's like a room for fucking, maybe you shouldn't be fucking. Detectives say that something happened that she did not want to happen. And then the mom is like, wait, is this girl making a rape allegation? And he is like, that is so not true. We didn't even have sex. And they're like, okay, well then give us a DNA sample. And the dad gets so fucking cocky and says, do you have a warrant? And Finn takes it out of his pocket. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I mean, I that was the best. Um, the mom's like, oh my God, fuck. And then it's hitting them that this is real, like real. And the dad said, you should have told us we're calling a lawyer. And the boy's like, nothing happened. And ma, um, the mom is like, like Kara said, such a boy mom and says, I know how girls are. And she overheard her daughter and her friends talking about how they would accuse a boy of rape if he didn't call them back. And it's like, well, if your daughter is such a shitty person, why do you think your son isn't? Yeah. Yeah. I don't get it. You obviously aren't doing a good job raising your children. Um, Dodds I'll tell you bite. something. I know I'm not like a. I'm not like as young maybe as the kids in this, but like I've never in my life had that conversation with someone. I've never heard somebody be like, "I'm just gonna cry rape and see what happens." You know, like never in my life. Never. Um, Dodds doesn't bite. He says, well, we have a warrant for the DNA, so let's start there, and then we can take him down to the station if you want. Like, what, what's your call? He, The boy starts to finally look worried. Uh, Benson is in a powder blue jacket and is like, fill me in, guys, and we're at the precinct. Dodds is like, he's privileged, but not arrogant. And obviously, baby Dodds has been on the podcast. We love Andy Carl. The eyebrows are crazy. <laughs> they are. They are silly eyebrows and I can't look, like look at anything else. And then his dad has the opposite style of brow. Like this guy is very early 2000s. I've overplucked. And then the dad is like, I have five sets of eyebrows per eyebrow. And I don't know how they're in one family. We're all rebelling against our parents in some way, right? Yeah. Like, that's how he was like, you know what? I'm not going to have bushy brows like Sandy Cohen. I'm cr I'm, I'm going to fucking weed these babies. <laughs> um. So this boy has no record. Um, and he He's waiting on early decision from Stanford and seems genuinely surprised by the allegation. So it's a walk and talk formation. Benson says, well, sounds like a classic teen. He said, she said. Dodds is like, or more like his parent versus her parents, honestly. Benson gets a ping on her cell phone and is like, wait, he put himself in the dark room with her? And they're like, yes, but said nothing really happened besides petting. And Benson says, well, he's lying. The, j the jizz is a match for Chris. That's what the phone was. The jizz so is a match. Put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Dodd still defends him. And then Carisi says, well, Chris posted photos on his social media with the hashtag picked that cherry. Gross. With a pic of them kissing. And it's, um, you know, it's fronting on socials or did it happen? And the pics also look like she's not complaining. So all in all, it's messy for everybody. Benson wants to bring them all in. Violins play and we open on Benson near the vending machine at, with Rita Calhoun, who's like, hey, babe, I heard there was a semen match. Arrest him. And Benson asks, where did you hear that from? And she goes, I didn't, but you just confirmed it. Like, Rita, I would hire her. I think I always change my answer, but I think I'm hiring her. I think I'm hiring her. Yeah. If I did it, I'm hiring her. 
A hundred percent. Yeah, Rita's she, a fucking she, shark. She's the best in the business. So, to trick Benson like that, like, that's incredible. Benson's annoyed and is like, come on, Rita, you know you don't have all an all-access pass here. And then Barba's here and he's waiting for Benson and he sees Rita and is like, oh, you're defending a little rape boy? And she's like, no, the girl. And he's like, oh, you take money from both sides. Uh, he says, never change. <laughs> I like, love that. <laughs> and she has a smirk too. <laughs> like, she likes that. And Barba Barbara reminds Oh my her, God, should we like start Barba Marvel? I mean, Barba Calhoun. Should we start like Barhoon fan fiction? Like <laughs> yes. those two getting together? Just like Bar-hoon. a fucking powerhouse. <laughs> like they fight against each other in the courthouse and they go home and bang it out. Oh my God. <laughs> I bet, I honestly, I'm seeing it. I needed a minute, but now I'm seeing it. I'm s- <laughs> The, uh, they would have, su- they would like be putting each other down intellectually the whole time too. Yes. <laughs> um, maybe in a leather chair. Um, it's so funny, you know. A lot of you have been making us friendship bracelets, and I'm obsessed. And someone gave me a Lucky Lou one, both of us. And I went, "Oh my god, how did you know? This is amazing!" And she's like, "You begged for it on the podcast." And I was like, <laughs> "Got it, got it." Um, but I'm wearing it right now. I love them. And I have a shout out to where Toronto is where we got a big bunch of them, right? And well, there was a girl who made 103 bracelets. So then she ended up giving it to a lot of people sitting next to her too. So it was really in the spirit of Taylor. Yes. And I loved it. And the, one of my favorites is ones that says Mother's Juice, which if you will recall, is from our very first episode, Bully, and is such a deep cut and so genius. Like, I need some of you to be in the room when we're trying to come up with merch ideas because you're all very smart and funny. <laughs> but You pay on. attention to detail. Well, because you remember more because you're listening. Because a, a lot, like sometimes people will be like, oh, and then you said this. And I'm like, when, where, how? Yeah. I have, what was the context? We're talking so much on a given week. <laughs> it really is. It's so much. So, Barbara, Bar, oh my God, I did it. Um, so, <laughs> Barba reminds her, oh my God, and we have to mention the Minneapolis t-shirts where it said Barbara or Barbara with an R crossed out and then below it said Stabler with a B crossed out with a P next to it. So, it was so like Barbara, Barbara Stabler. Stabler. Yeah. <laughs> The creativity, I, I, it's just incredible. So, I mean, do we mention the wildest thing that we got? It was a paper, a brown paper evidence bag in Minnesota. You open it, there's a white little rag. You open it. It is a bowl for weed that is ceramic shaped like a pinky for Martha Plimpton's sister's pinky. Yes. From the episode Denial where she's carrying around her little sister's pinky finger in her bag that's and mummified. Then you check the evidence bag and the information is all fully written out. Like the victims, everything. Uh, and she made me a mug that was a dick and a wolf and a baby. Because Lisa got to keep the finger bowl. So I got the cool mug. <laughs> yeah, I got the finger bowl, But girl, bowl, baby. smoked out of that finger bowl and it works great. It saved our lives because in Salt Lake City, someone gave us weed. I ran out of all my joints and I'm always trying to actively quit. So I'm always like, oh yeah, I'll finish I'll finish the joints finish and then I'll be batch. fine. <laughs> and then I get so stressed and we only had like weed with no bowl and then this pinky bowl came into our lives. And it's like, we are witches. We manifest. There's actually it. a Taylor thing now where they call her a sorcerer. And like, because... In Argentina, she was singing and then a lyric about a plane and then a plane truly went by. Wow. And she wrote- A plane in the sky? As you're singing the lyric, (laughs) that is wild. (laughs) 
Like, you should watch it. You should watch it. Go fuck yourself. I'm a mark. I don't give a shit. I called our, our you know, my best friend. I was like, I, 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 she goes, whatever are you doing? I'm like, honestly, just fantasizing about tra- like tra- uh, Travis and Taylor. I can't think about anything else. My life is a mess. It's taken over. And she goes, it's not real. And you're an idiot. And I'm like, I don't, I'd rather be an idiot. She goes, I could care less about this. And then she said, oh, yay. I got all my... <laughs> Cool. All my fans are now spending all their money on football. That's where it should go. <laughs> Girlies, buy Chiefs gear. And then like the name of the team is so fucked too. It's like, it it, it could be all fake. I mean, the concert, it, like it's all I've, I, I'm, this is old. This is coming out. I'm so sorry. So Barba reminds her like, babe, you know, you can't be privy to this info at, 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 either. Um, that was a stutter. And so then Buchanan walks in. Uh-oh. Oh, God. These are some heavy hitters going up. Like, this <sighs> is not good. He's defending the boy. And he's like, oh, Rita, baby girl, I'm alone this time. It was really fun working with you last time. And she goes, no, I'm actually just with the girl. And he goes, eek, gross. Victim advocacy? That can't pay well. And she goes, it's pro bono. Not all of us have to worry about our next meal. And then she looks him up and down. Definitely a fat shame. I know, but he deserves it. And that was a hot, that was fun. I love, (laughs) I love it. It It's like so real housewives. And Barbara's like, wow, getting personal. I love it. Benson (laughs) says, Rita was just leaving. Um, And then Rita's like, I'll be down the block. I'm waiting for you. And Buchanan goes, don't worry. This won't take long. 20 minutes in and you will realize you have no case. And he skips off. So the whole family is in the cement room bars with Buchanan, who's like, listen, guys, he is not experienced. And he jizzed early, so nothing happened. And they're like, well, not according to Instagram. And the dad goes, well, he was just trying to impress his friends. And all the adults are talking and the teen boy is against the wall, like in a music video, very in sync. Like, he's just really pining. And they're like, listen, boy, why would she accuse you of rape? And Buchanan's like, well, why would he know that? And the mom goes, the girl is obviously lying. And Finn is like, well, why don't we let Chris talk? And Buchanan goes, I'm here to talk for him. Thank you very much. Chris is shocked and him and Abby are friends. And he pops out with his phone and says, look, Abby still thinks we are. And there are text messages that are damning. She legit wrote, I don't know why this is happening. I like you. I hope you're not mad at me. See, she's fine. So the spy room crew is like, this is not good. So Barba runs off and says, call your friend Calhoun. Benson's like, I mean, she's not my friend. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they're all so professional. I guess that's why I like all this shade and ribbing. It's like, you know, it... It makes them more human. Like they actually are people that are working together all the time. And so the Chris crew is, and this is, oh yeah, never mind. So the Chris crew is walking outside the station steps and the mom chuckles and says, damn, I never thought I'd say thank God for texting. And the dad is like, I'm tempted to send that girl's family my legal bill. And Barbo walks in um, and has words with Buchanan. And he says, I assume this is the last we'll be talking on this matter. And Barbara says, like, just, we will be in touch. And Buchanan smiles. Rita's there waiting for him. And Barbara's like, babe, we have a problem. She's like, nah, we're on. And it's nothing that hasn't happened before. And Barbara's like, yes, but if you were that boy's attorney, you would be ripping her to shreds. And they argue about the text and her disposition and go back and forth like she answered the text and she did not start any of them. And it's because like, what do you do? Do you unfriend? Do you block? Like there's school, there's a lot of layers. And like, I hate that we ignore 
all the nuance and all the stuff in your brain when something traumatic happens to you and use it against the person and it really bothers me. And I really loved what they said in the cement room where it was like, well, why do you think she thinks she was raped then? You know what I mean? Like you are, like if everything was like peachy, like what are you talking about? And also like, I don't want to say that this kid should get away with anything, but it didn't really feel like anybody spoke to the daughter about like, is this what you want to do? Do you want to like take this to court? Do you want, because when she's saying something like to him, I don't know why this is happening. I feel like it's because she feels like her parents and the other parents have just sort of like swept up and taken over this whole thing. And it's just happened so fast. She hasn't had time to process and like a ton of victims. Oh, you mean... Like the Romeo and Juliet's families? <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. Barbara's like, I get it, but the jury. And she's like, he fucking raped her. Um, and then it's like, have you talked to any of her friends or anyone else at the dance? So finally they talk to the classmates. It's really wild. They haven't before. So they go to the slut and she's like, everyone knows the dark room is where you have sex. Once you go down there, you can't change your mind. And this is like the mom at a younger age. Like they're the same person. Yeah. And Carisi's there to be like, actually you can, Daniela, at any time. And she's like, well, maybe, but Abby didn't. And she's like, are you obsessed with Chris? Like, what the fuck is going yeah. on? So Carisi asks, do you think she's lying? And she's like, I don't know, but she could just be mad that Chris didn't ask her out again. Finn and Dodds are on the football field and all the football players think this is unfair and that she was asking for it. And he doesn't want to badmouth her, but she's just trying to get attention. One of the footballers walk away, but they follow. Like, why are you walking away? Did you go down there too? And Dodds is like, you know, she's only 15 and you're 18. And he's like, whoa. I did not touch her. And Dodds goes, but Chris did. So tell us what you know or we're calling your parents. And then Finn threatens to call Notre Dame. And so he agrees to talk. Chris needed a name on his list. What list? So there's a secret society of seniors and it's a Latin name, but translated, it's called the Cherry Pickers Club. And it's a competition to see how many virgins you can bang. And everyone had a name on the list except for Chris. And that's the thing. And this like this kind of conversation really happened for me a lot after the Aziz article came out years ago, where it's like, but that's not the, and this and that. And it's like, Honestly, if we're not even thinking rape or not, like just this idea alone, and this is the framework you think of sex and women and how they're included in the conversation of sex is already like rape adjacent. You know what I mean? Like your whole plan is just to amass virgins and bang them without any regard for them as humans and to trick them into doing so. Like, I don't understand why that is not unethical. (laughs) Like why guys don't see like that is wrong. Or some of these women like Daniela and the blonde mom. I guess they're both blonde moms, but. I mean, it's, yeah, it's toxic masculinity and it's like, you know, misogyny that's like fully baked in. Yeah. the girls have it too. Yeah, like you're not treating women as people at all, but objects for a thing, like your goal. And then all these women are having these experiences being like, fuck, like this sucks. And then when you talk about it, it's like, no one broke the law. And it's like, okay, but we're not talking about that. Do you want to talk to your son about the fact that he like has a list and like, you know, this gets, this is so, this episode is so close to the real case. I really can't wait to tell you. Okay, I'll try to be faster. And so, (laughs) because I am, I can't believe I, it might be what like that we know, you know, when you're, we're connected a little bit. Not that I was happy that a mass murderer came through Stokey, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it did feel, 
you know, that I got to talk about something I remember from my childhood. And it's a competition to see how many virgins you can bang. We discussed that. And so everyone had a name on the list except for Chris. Done, done. So it's behind a colonial style portrait and it's all written in marker and pen straight on the wall. So I'm sure the school knows about it too. So there's just so much evidence. And Chris only has one name listed and it's Abby and it's there. So he can't deny anything. So Barbara and Benson are having a work session and they're like, damn, he did this to get his name on a wall. This is so fucked up. Like, and this is also his friend. This isn't a stranger. This is someone he says that he is friends with. That is how little regard he has for her as a human and still believes he's done nothing wrong. Carisi is not using the list as evidence since it's out, like it outs a lot of teenagers um, and they don't want the list to go public. So now they're infighting. They're all disagreeing about like, should they, should they expose the list? Should they not? And basically they're like, he didn't think he did anything wrong when we got there. And Benson's like, he lied to your fucking faces and you're stupid. And Dodds leans in and says, well, she lied too when we asked about her texting him. And and so they're both kind of lying. And so what do we do now? Benson thinks the kid is good for it, but the trial might be hard. So maybe let's sit both families down and try to figure out a plea. The girl's mom is not into it. Barba wants sexual misconduct, no jail time, but his name's on the registry. And so while the adults are discussing it, Abby sneaks down the stairs to listen. And the dad says, he raped my daughter and he should go to prison. And Barba goes, we're all upset about what happened to Abby, but putting her on the stand and going through a trial might not get us the conviction we want. And Rita goes, and that's a good point because the press is going to be all over this. Abby hops out from spying and goes, the press? Everybody at school is whispering about me, laughing at me. Like, my life is over. Everyone hates me. I wish I never said anything. And she runs up the stairs. The mom goes to Barba and he says, sorry, as she glares at him. And he says, this is all I could do. Rita says, we'll take the misconduct, but he better go on the registry. So obviously the boy's parents are like, no registry, no deal, no offer. Like, there's nothing. And he and Barbara goes, that's the best deal I can do. Your son would avoid publicity and a trial. And the mom has a good point that he will be put on a list of pedophiles and rapists. So like, I don't, you know, there's not a, she doesn't see a good option for her. And then she goes, well, what about college? And it's like, I don't know. What about Abby's college? What about Abby's, how she's going to be doing? Because she just got raped by someone that she thought was a friend and was excited that he liked her. And now she has to go her whole life being traumatized by this moment. And we're worried about his college. Cool. And Buchanan's all about Stanford. And also, I guess you can't have a smartphone if you're on the registry, which I did not know about. And I, I feel didn't like know that, that. Would, that would complicate life. That would... Is that still a thing? I don't think they would make that up, but I guess this is from like five, six years ago. But not like not having maps, not having all these things, like that's Right. Hard. Like I'm thinking maps Truly, only. there are so many things now that like, there are so many things where it's like you have to download the app. It depends on the conditions of your probation or supervisor's release. Sometimes you are permitted to have a cell phone, but you are quite required to install monitoring software so that your agent can be aware if you're accessing social networking, pornography, et cetera. That's according to this website called Avo, like my very first Google result. Yeah, but why? And I think so, it's state to state. Yeah. Because that would change your life yeah. drastically. And yes. that's embarrassing to have to admit, but your life would be very different. Yeah. So um, the parents are like, we'd consider endangering the welfare of a child. And Barba goes, registry or nothing. Buchanan goes, come on. We know what this was. It's a misunderstanding. Take a drink. Take a hit. 
hit your kid. No, JK. Um, <laughs> I was like, what can you do that's not a substance if you're sober? And then for some reason that came out of my mouth, but I regret it. <laughs> have, you know, have a lick of sugar. Uh, Barbara's like straight up, she is 15. So that is automatically misconduct. Buchanan brings up Romeo and Juliet exception. <laughs> um, not if you forced her. So Buchanan goes, that's just what she said after the fact. Well, yeah, you can't say it during the fact. Like if it's happening, like of course you say it after. Barbara's yeah. over it and is like, whatever, I've offered you no prison time. If you say no, your son is convicted. That's what he's looking at. And the mom screams, but he didn't do anything wrong. And Barbara says, Chris, is this what you want to go to trial? He's like, fuck. And everyone's going to know who I am. And Barbara goes, as soon as you're arrested and charged, your name goes public. And anytime anyone Googles you for the rest of your life, this is what will come up. The dad says, don't threaten my son. And this girl is slandering him and we need to fight this. Chris seems stressed. So he asks, what if he says sorry to Abby? And her family and the parents scream at him. They're like, you have nothing to be sorry for. Um, and this is, again, a great episode about psycho boy moms. So they leave. Chris seems conflicted. Buchanan says, we caught onto your bluff. And if you still want to go to trial, you're going to fucking regret it. So we're in trial. He's charged with one count of attempted rape and two counts of sexual misconduct and forcible touching. Barba wants bail to be a million dollars. Buchanan wants him released. So the bail is half a million. Listen, he's uh, he's an abuser, but like, that's a lot of money. Yeah, because like, yeah. Yeah. Half a million? We've seen killers get less than that. Right, right. Dodds and Benson catch up in the streets and she says how it supports the victims to see the detectives in the galley. He says about the victim, I'm sorry I brought it up in front of everybody, like, because he kept defending the boy. And she says, don't, but it's not, you know, don't be sorry. It's not a problem. Like, you know, and he keeps talking. Benson face looks annoyed as hell. He's like, they just both seem like really good kids who don't know what happened down there. Benson says he might not realize what he did was a sexual assault, but Abby did not make this up. She is not a manipulative girl, but he's not a predator, Dodd says. And Benson's like, listen, the trial is in our call. It wasn't, and then Dodds brings up the point that you did. It wasn't theirs either. So the rape family in Buchanan arrive in court and they scoff at the detectives. They put Chris in good boy glasses, slicked back hair, and Dodd says they made him look like Harry Potter. And uh, Benson calls it the nerd defense. So we're in court. Barba is starting off with a remote in hand going through all the texts that was being sent back and forth. So the boy text had a great time, you know, okay. And then the, the text that happened a week later about like, I don't want any, you know, I'm sorry, don't be mad at me. And he turns with this info and Benson's on the stand. And so I really like that he's kind of taking anything that the defense is going to bring up and bringing it up to Benson right now. So it doesn't seem like they're hiding anything. And I like that. So he says, with all your experience, have you ever seen this kind of communication before between young victims and like assailants? And she says, yes, it's way more common than not. Teenagers have imperfect judgment. And to be a young, naive girl, like you don't want to be circled out by your peers, fear of blowback. And, you know, teens have a lot of feelings. She says, yes, and Abby is super shy. She has trouble speaking up for herself and like maybe teen predators wouldn't go like after more assertive victims. And then he's like, Abby didn't file a police report right away. How unusual is that? Benson says, it's not unusual at all. It happens all the time. It's like they're trying to like figure out what happened. And um, so now it's Buchanan's turn. 
So she says again how victims wait to report to police. And he said, no, she didn't wait to talk to police. She waited to talk to you, right? The local precinct chose not to pursue because she answers they are not properly trained. That's why we have an SVU to begin with. And he goes, yep, where you believe people with personality flaws are more likely to be targeted. And she's like, that is not what I said. He's like, did you not just say that a more assertive girl would not have been targeted? Are you blaming the victim? And she's like, motherfucker, you are twisting my words. It is never the victim's fault. And Buchanan grins and says, wait, so there is nothing that an accuser can do that would contribute to the situation? If she's texting and going to private areas and doing foreplay, yeah, so none of that matters. But sure, I'll withdraw and sit down. And he's really proud of what he's done there. And Barba looks pissed. So now Carisi's on the stand. He's there to talk about the secret society that's goal is to deflower virgins, the Cherry Pickers Club. And he wrote down Abby's name. So how do you say you didn't do it when you wrote it? And then you bragged on social media. So Buchanan's there being like, teens have poor judgment. Didn't we agree on that? And do we also agree that boy teens lie? about sexual conquests that aren't true. And Carisi's like, are you asking me if your client is a liar? That is good. Like, I, there's yeah. just a lot of good burns and back and forths in this episode. I really love that. Um, future ADA. I feel like that's that's where the nugget, the little yeah, seed Carisi, was planted. Like, he also plays to the jury so hard. He's like, no, no, they didn't. And like, looks right at the jurors. Like, he's like really driving his points home. Um, and then Buchanan's like, come on, you know I'm asking if he's a teenager who is being pressured to claim he scored and Carisi is caught and he has to say yes. So Barbara redirects. When you first talked with Chris, did he lie to you? And Carisi says, yep, he flat out denied having any sexual contact with Abby. And only when we found and matched his DNA did he admit the truth. And Buchanan's like, no, he was always maintained it was mutual and consensual. And Barbara's like, um, except that he was lying about it. So the Judge Soprano's sister is like, spare us with the grandstanding gentleman. <laughs> She says they both need to calm down and they'll resume after lunch. Um, and so then the next witness is Abby Stewart. Chris looks down. And in the bathroom, Rita is making Abby take off her makeup. And she's like, then I'll look like a little girl. And they're like, yeah, they're making him look like a saint. So you can't look like a sinner. And uh-oh, Chris's mom walks in and they ask her, like, give us a moment. She goes, I'm just here to wash my hands. Has that ever happened to you? Like, have you ever, ever gone into a bathroom to just wash your hands? Unless you were truly playing with slime. Yeah. Or like a baby sneezed on you. Like, I don't understand. What got so dusty in the courtroom? Or maybe before lunch? Well, yeah, I think she's totally lying. Yeah, but people, oh yeah, so everyone that does that is lying. Okay, got it, got it, got it. <laughs> So, and this bitch starts talking to Abby. Um, they're like, did they tell you that Stanford requested Chris withdraw his application? Rita says, this isn't the time. And they all go to quickly leave. And the bitch grabs Abby and says, don't you get it? You are ruining my son's life. Benson shoves her off gently. Like, hey, you need to stop talking. And to me, I'm like, arrest that cunt. Like, there needs to be some sort of law of intimidating the witness. Like, there needs to be something that, yeah, what she is doing is not okay. She says, oh, a woman cop. I bet you always take the girl's side. She is vile. She and would honestly, you have a daughter too. Yeah, but she doesn't like her daughter. She hates herself and she hates women <laughs> and she hates her daughter. She thinks her daughter is a lying slut with all of her daughter friends. Like this woman would make a killing on Instagram right now. She can join all the little right-wing aunt. Like her and Candace Owens would be at the beach together. Yeah. Like talking shit. Yeah. It's just so sad. It is so 
sad and disgusting. So she goes, this, the sweet little girl is the victim and the boy is made out to be a brute. And she screams, teenage girls are better liars and runs off. And I bet she loved Brett Kavanaugh. Oh, I bet she, she was one of the, yeah. Kavanaugh's in her spank bank, this woman, for sure. Yeah, she fucking hated Blasey Ford. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, her and Camille Grammer, they can go to fucking Cancun together too and get eaten <laughs> by a fucking shark. And even the shark would spit them out because they would taste so bitter and disgusting. And... Abby's on the stand. She's barely able to function. She starts with like um, emotion. We made out, went downstairs to the dark room. All of that was agreed to and willingly, she said. She liked kissing, but then what happened? She says, um, he got aggressive, put his hands under my dress, put my, you know, his finger inside me. And she's like, I did not agree to that. And that she told him to slow down. She did not want to be touched down there. And that did not stop him. And he pushed up against her and tried to fuck, but it kept just rubbing against her and he came on her dress. And Ben's not funny, but it's just, I just love the idea of like trying to assault someone and you can't even put it in. Like, this is also like what I don't get about these like grown women that are like fucking their students. <laughs> like, this is it. Like, this is what you're, oh, I just like can't wait to get a guy that lasts three seconds. <laughs> like, <laughs> Benson's listening and looks down um, at the part and she just feels really pained for the girl. Barbara asks if this is what she wanted. She says, no. He was hurting me and I've never had sex with anyone before and I know that's not how I wanted it to be. He's like, but you texted back. And she says, yeah, I was humiliated, but eventually told her mom the truth. And the cops sucked when they went down there. And she told them they had been raped and the cops were awful. And Barbara sits down as she wipes away her tears. The defense daddy is a bitch from the start. Sorry you had a regrettable experience, Abby. And then he's being fake nice to her, which bothers me even more. It's like, at least just be a dick how you are. I hate this little game that he's doing. Is it fair to say you had a crush on him? She says, I guess. Were you flattered he, when he texted you? She says, yes. And he goes, yep. And he must be a nice guy since you went down to the dark room with him. She's like, yeah, I thought he was nice. I thought we were just going to go down there to kiss. And you mean like this? And then, of course, he shows the photos of them kissing and being like slutty. And he says, you don't have to be ashamed. I have a daughter who likes to go to dances too. That's a great fucking line. I mean, he's a good... This is really like Rita and Buchanan. It, they're so good. Yeah. Uh, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. <laughs> um, Delaney. And Barba is like, where is the fucking question? And he pushes like this. Okay. So then he pushes. He goes, was this your first date? It was. And you really wanted him to like you. Maybe you were nervous. She says a little. And he goes, I'm sure, you, you know... Uh, you were nervous. It was loud. You like this boy. There's a lot going on. Is it possible that you got overwhelmed and that's why you didn't know what you wanted and you never said no? She says, I didn't say no, but I told him not to go down there. And Buchanan's like, down where? Down on the floor in the basement. And he's acting dumb. And she says, I wasn't into it. And he's like, into what? She says, sex. And he goes, but did you say sex? And I hate him. And Chris is looking really embarrassed. And Buchanan talks about mind reading and texting and you didn't even know you were raped for four days. And he keeps going and it's like, ask a fucking question. And he's like, how did we get here? She says, I know I didn't want that to happen to me. She leans in um, to him as she says it, like very powerful and strong. And he goes, okay, but did Chris know? And she says, I think. And he says, that's a lot of thinking you're doing. 
She's crying. He goes nothing further. He walks off. Her parents look sad. His parents look happy. The mom is sadistic. This actress is a queen. She's like happy to see this girl cry. She is smirking. It is evil. And the adult posse and Abby run out and she's like, fuck. And Barbara goes, don't worry. He's a trickster. Don't worry. And the dad's like, you should have protected her more. And Rita says, don't worry. The the worst is over. And she turns around and screams, no, it's not. So she goes, he's going to testify and tell lies about me. And they run off. Barbara has to nail this Chris moment. So Little Glasses Boy is on the stand and starts the same way in the dark room. He kept asking if what he was doing was okay and she didn't say no. He's a liar. We watched what happened. He did not once ask her how she was doing. Like, he is a fucking liar. I can't... We saw it. You did not ask her. He said... um, you know, it was just fingers and I came early. No sex happened. Uh, but when you went home, how did you feel the night went? And he said, good. And I didn't think anything was wrong. And he couldn't even tell that she was upset. And, but did you care? So anyways, but you're a liar and you lied twice. Why don't you tell us about those lies? So he admits that he lied to the police about no touching. And then he lied to his peers that he fucked. So he's just a straight up liar. You're like, you're lying to your friends and the cops about fucking her and not fucking her. So you're a piece of shit. You would actually belong in Stanford, honestly. You would do great there. So then he talks shit about the group hating women and he hates the club. He's like, the club sucks. They really hate women. I don't even want to be a part of it. But, you know, Um, he says, if I upset her, I'm sorry and wish things went differently. And And I know now that mixing alcohol and dating is a disaster and that clear communication is very important. I wonder how long it took him to memorize that little speech. Buchanan goes and sits down and says, wow, thanks for being so upfront. You have a lot of courage. It's Barbara's turn and you know this little bitch is in trouble because he starts asking questions while he's sitting down. That means he's feeling good. So he says, you lied to police and to your friends. That's your story? He says, yes, and I'm ashamed of that. Barbara goes, so um, you lied to your friends because they made fun of you because you hadn't scored? He goes, I wouldn't call it that. And he's like, well, what would you call it? Cherry picking? objected. And then it's overruled immediately. It's the name of the club that he was in. You're allowed to say it. He says, who cares what the club is called? All I know is I did nothing that Abby didn't want. So she went to the police and testified on the stand, was publicly humiliated and ostracized by her friends for something that she made up. He says, no, I mean, she thinks she was raped. He stands up. And is like, well, what does that tell you? And he's getting tripped up. And, I, you know, like, you can trip people up without being a dick like Buchanan. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Buchanan's just so showboaty in his assholeness. Lo- the lawyer tries to help with another objection. The judge is like, please stop. He's like, she didn't say no. Did she not say it or did you not hear it? Barbara asks. Did you even ask her? Did you even ever hear a yes? But, um doesn't give him time to answer. And Barbara goes, no, because you didn't even ask her because your only concern was getting what you wanted, scoring, making it up on that wall. Well, congratulations, you made it. And he's in his face by this point and Benson nods in the stand and Barbara sits down. Buchanan looks at the parents like, we're in trouble. Barbara's grabbing a snack at the office and Benson comes in. It looked like banana bread to me. Benson comes in and thanks him for such a good cross and is like, no matter what the jury decides, you did your job. He goes, did I? It was always a murky case. And she's like, exactly. Those are the ones we need to fight. We need new rules. And that's like my, I love that saying always. Like, stop trying to like, we don't want to fit into this, (laughs) 
the rules that have been set up. Like, it all needs to be fucking yeah. crushed. So, Barbara is being um, annoying and thinks that we need to leave teens alone. Um, and then Benson reminds him, like, California passed the affirmative consent law. And he's like, we will see how long that lasts. And she says, well, something needs to change. Teen boys, even in college, don't know what makes rape. So, let's make the lines clearer. You know what I mean? Like, if this whole thing is like, we don't know, then why are we not teaching like consent more and more aggressively constantly if like boys are so dumb they can't understand. Yeah. Um, so You're smart enough to get into Stanford but you're not smart enough to know that a girl who's passed out behind a dumpster doesn't want a glass bottle inside of herself. Like that's what I don't understand. Yeah. Knock, knock. The jury is in. We're in court. The verdict has been reached. Felony rape. Not guilty. Misdemeanor count of forcible touching. Not guilty. And the mom smiles so big. Abby looks shocked and horrified to the defense um, area. And then misdemeanor count of sexual misconduct. Guilty. Thank fucking God you can stop smiling now, you dumb cunt. And so the (laughs) gavel bangs. The dad yells, I hope you're happy. Look what you did to my son. Your son is a fucking rapist. Like this, it's so frustrating. Chris says Abby's name. And her mom yells, don't you even look at her. Abby says, I'm sorry. And the evil mom goes, oh, now you're sorry. And yeah, your son's going on the registry and you should have just taken the deal. Um, This is not the time. Um, And so the blonde bitch is like, your daughter knew exactly what she signed up for. Being cummed on by my son prematurely. Abby's dad yells, we all know what your son is. And now he's on the registry and everyone will know. Benson separates the parents. The music plays. Benson is left panting after separating the the people <laughs> and that's dick wolf baby wow 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 a really enraging good um episode but uh, a good episode everyone, good episode and lots of sass and like comebacks and i just i really liked it and i can't wait to hear about this crime so let's yes. get these ads going baby listen to our ads and we'll be right back Okay, so are you familiar with this crime? Do you know anything about this? Have you heard about like when you watch this episode? Okay, when I watched this episode, I knew exactly what it was about. Well, Um, that's because you're a New England girl. Now that I see what's happening (laughs) in your notes, I yeah, you know a lot of New England stuff. Yes, yes. So this is based on a crime that took place at St. Paul's School in Concord, New Hampshire. This is a co-ed boarding school. It's very elite, one of the best. According to Wikipedia, the annual tuition is 62,000. I have many, many friends who have gone to this school. One of my dearest friends works there right now. So I, you know, go St. Paul's. I've known a lot about it for a long time because I've known a lot of people have gone there, but I've never actually like set foot on the campus. But this was a big thing that happened in 2014. I was living in New York. I remember reading all about it. And, um, but I will say that most of my friends that graduated from there are like your age. So they were long gone when this incident took place, but I got some intel. So in 2014, I'm going to call it an incident at the beginning because I'm just like painting a picture of the story, but I want everyone to know that I agree a crime took place. So an incident took place between 18-year-old senior Owen Labrie and 15-year-old freshman Chessie Prout 
I hope that's how you say her name. It's like Trout with a P. Contrary to what we might assume in a case like this, and because like in the episode, it was this way, Owen Labrie was not some urban rich kid like coasting off his parents' money and status. He actually was from rural Vermont. His parents had a bitter divorce and custody battle over him, and he went to St. Paul's on a scholarship. So he was the captain of the soccer team and had gotten full rides to Harvard, Princeton, Yale, Dartmouth, Brown, Duke, Stanford, Middlebury, and UVA. That is wild. Like, I don't think, I went to school with some really smart kids and I don't remember anybody getting into that many fucking Ivies and like top, top schools. And this kid won- And full rides. Yeah, yeah. He like, you know, looked like a kid that just sort of like had genius and was also amazing at sports. So- You know, he won the Headmaster's Award for, quote, selfless devotion to school activities. And essentially what happened was he got recruited to this school um, as a sophomore for soccer. And then they had him repeat the grade. And this happens all the time in sports at, it happens all the time in boarding schools, but also colleges and stuff. And the result of this is a lot of 18 and 19-year-old seniors going to school with 14-year-old freshmen, you know? So it's like a big age disparity on a campus where kids, in this episode, obviously, they're at a New York City private school. This is boarding. Like, they're all sleeping at school, you know? So it appears... Um, from everything I've read, that Labrie was hyper-competitive and always kind of trying to prove himself to his rich, privileged friends, you know. Question, do the teachers sleep at the school too or they go home? It depends. I think most of the teachers live locally, like will, you know, but um, like I have had friends, I have friends who work at boarding schools and they live on the campus in a house. And that's part of their compensation is like that they get a house on the campus. Wow. So it depends. So Chessie Prout, the victim, was a second-generation St. Paul student. She was raised in Japan with her family because her father was a very successful, like, international businessman, like, doing finance. So she knew Labrie a little bit because he'd had a brief relationship with her older sister, also a St. Paul student. And the sister had said, stay away from this guy, okay? No one likes to listen to their older sister. It's very... um, What's the movie you made me watch? 10 Things I Hate About You. So on May 30th of 2014, Labrie steals a key to a mechanical room in the school. He brings a blanket and he arranges to meet up with Chessie Prout there where they're gonna Which is already a red flag. Like you've dated the sister and you're going for the younger sister. Like you're a freak. Yeah, yeah, totally. And- they're going to go hook up, hang out, whatever. And I, a lot of my source comes from this very in-depth Vanity Fair article that I read about it, that it will be in my sources. Um, and I, like, you know, according to this article, basically what I just told you, that on May 30th, they went to a mechanical room together. That's like where they both agree on the story and then the rest of it completely diverges. What I read in another publication was that um, she admitted to like, shaving her pubic hair in advance of the encounter and her best friend, this is probably where they got the character of Daniela from the episode. Her best friend told police, oh yeah, like she was down to get fingered, give him a blowjob. Like, and the girl later said, the victim later was like, I don't remember saying any of that, but the best friend told police that. So she was like willing to like, just tell them like what her best friend said about things she may or may not even be willing to do in the room. It's like different what you tell your friends you'd be down to do, you know? And so she testified that just like in the episode, the kissing was exciting. 
She was having fun. She even helped him. Like they were making out against the wall. They went down to the ground. She even like lifted up her hips so that he could take off her shorts. And then he, when he tried to take off her bra and underwear, she said she said no three times. And he said her underwear stayed on the whole time. She remembers holding onto her underwear tightly with both hands. Like that should just tell you your partner in this encounter is not having a good time, that they're clinging to their underwear as like a barrier to you not doing anything. And it's kind of in the episode, so you're smart enough to get into all these schools, but you can't understand that that's a sign of I'm not into this. Like it, or do you not want to know? It's just, it's so infuriating. It really well, is. Well, we we get into that a little bit too. So he told he told authorities her underwear stayed on the whole time. She remembers that he pulled it off to the like the front panel off to the side. So um, she said she felt something go inside of her, and it wasn't his hands because she could see both of her hands on his waist. He told police that he went to go get a condom, and that he suddenly was like, "I don't think I should have sex with this girl." Like, and and decided not to go through with the intercourse. Okay. According to Vanity Fair, quote, DNA from his skin cells was found on the inside panel of her underwear, as was semen that could not be definitively linked to him, end quote. That feels like some kind of fucking lab error because he even admitted later that he may have prematurely ejaculated during dry humping, and that's why they may have found some DNA. But he claims that when he went to go put on the condom, he lost his boner and ended the whole hookup like out of embarrassment, you know, much like this kid in the episode, like prematurely, you know, humping her against the wall or whatever. So they parted ways. And the first person that Prout ran into was the son of the rector. And she told him, quote, I think I just had sex with Owen Labrie, end quote. When he got back to his dorm, he obviously is like greeted by a sea of high fives. He also messaged people later claiming that he had sex with her. But then later when he was on trial, backtracked on that saying that he just did that to hide the whole going soft thing. Just like in the episode, he was like, yeah, I just like told my friends I did that. I wasn't going to tell them that I like didn't, you know, finish. So soon after this encounter happened, he emails her, quote, you're an angel. She writes back in an email, quote, you're quite an angel yourself, but would you mind keeping the sequence of events to yourself for now? End of quote. Probably too late. I'm sure he's already told the fucking world and started a Reddit thread about it. They continue to message a lot of ha-ha-has, whatever. They're LOLing the day away, these two. The lawyer, his lawyers tried to argue that these weren't the communications of a traumatized victim, while her lawyers were like, um, actually, these are very typical messages of a victim trying to, quote, unquote, placate and pacify her assailant. So just like in the episode. So when Prout's older sister heard what happened, she slapped this guy's ass and gave him a black eye just in time for graduation, which I kind of love. And then the younger Prout, the victim, eventually called her mother and they went to the local cops. Um, and the story quickly became national news and got everyone talking about consent, teen hookup culture, everything like that. So in obviously the very in-depth investigation that took place, they start researching Owen's attitudes toward, you know, all his messages, all his social media, everything he's doing. And it seems like his attitudes towards women and sex were dark as hell. I mean, he is also a teen, but like he told friends in a written message that his move with girls was to quote unquote, feign intimacy, then stab them in the back, throw them in the dumpster. I lie in bed with them and pretend like I'm in love. End of quote. So 
Like a father of a St. Paul's graduate who knew Labrie told Vanity Fair that his son told him, quote, dad, if this guy was going to do it, he was the type that would make a list. And according to my friend who went to that school, whose mother's home you've been to, as you referenced earlier in the episode, she said that a lot of people that she knows from school were like, yeah, he seems like a psychopath. So this guy has questionable attitudes towards women, obviously, and sex. And then what eventually comes to light is that Labrie is participating in a senior salute. That's the equivalent to this cherry pickers club, I guess, where seniors, and some of the articles I said would actually say that it was women seniors too could do this with men. It wasn't just boys going after girls. It was like females going after males too. It was just seniors trying to hook up with younger classmates and he see who could quote unquote slay the most conquest before graduation. Some people said that with the senior salute, it could be anything from making out to sex to taking a walk. Like it didn't have to be sex. The the media, of course, in trying to sensationalize this whole story makes it seem like this is some old thing that's going on at this school and, you know, the traditions of like these moneyed institutions, but this wasn't a tradition at all. And that it seemed like after taking a deeper dive that it had been going on for like a couple of years when this kid did it. Yeah, like he could have started it. (laughs) Yes, for all we know. Like my friends, um, who many of my friends graduated in like the early to mid 2000s from there, said they had never heard of this at all. And that it was pretty widely discussed among their age group when this like popped up that they were all like, wow, like, did you remember this happening? Like, this did not happen when we went there. And they graduated probably six or seven years before this all went down. So it's a newer thing that they're trying to like, you know, make an old tradition or whatever, because I think it like kind of makes a better story for news outlets or whatever. And the senior salute thing involved kids that were leaders in the school. It wasn't just like a rogue bunch of like bros. It was like team captains, newspaper editors, student government people, like people that were high up at the, in the school, like status were doing this. They all shared stolen keys to different rooms and spots around campus. And there was apparently even an email template for inviting girls to a salute. And they also had um, a sleigh trophy. It was like a mask that was supposed to be like a trophy. Like, I don't know if like you wear the mask after you hit hit it with somebody or whatever. But as far as I know, it wasn't like written down on like a wall the way it was in this episode, but I'm sure there was some way they were all keeping track of it. And once the police started investigating, Labrie's mom was like, get rid of your, any evidence that you have of this thing. And he deleted a ton of Facebook messages that he had sent about the salute. Like, a, like, I think they the article I read said like a hundred, like so many messages about the salute. And the messages were obviously later recovered, even though he deleted them. So Labrie does go on trial. The trial is full of twists and turns. Like at one point, Alan Dershowitz is involved, even though he himself had an allegation against him for sleeping with an underage oh, girl or but that's sexual not, assault. That's not that surprising. He's like, uh, he jumps in anytime there's um, underage rape. He's there to defend. Oh, yeah. He like but then he has it. his own allegation. I don't even think I knew about that. It's like connected oh, to yeah. Epstein. I don't even think I knew about that. Oh, yeah. Um, and why just, else would you be so gung-ho? Why would yeah. you go so gung-ho to defend abusers if you weren't one? You know? Yeah. like Yeah. And a bunch of the articles that I read pointed out that they did the exact same thing they did in the episode down to the same reference. They say he wore dark glasses and looked like Harry Potter for trial. Like, they he they were like, this is not what he looks like in photos of him from high school. Like, they had him nerded out looking like a, like a nice young boy or whatever. And 
So they grabbed that directly from this for the episode. This is what's wild. In the Vanity Fair article, they say that a senior law enforcement official involved with the case told Vanity Fair that if he had just expressed remorse or taken any accountability for his actions, the case probably would have been resolved without even a conviction, that he probably would never have seen any jail time and he would they would have just sent him to a sex offender diversion program. And instead, he went full throttle trying to set himself up to contest a guilty verdict, doing rounds and rounds of appeals. Because like, he's not rich, but his defense was funded by other St. Paul's parents. And I think that he, like probably his lawyers were like, even if you're found guilty, we'll just keep appealing it until you get out. Because as we've learned on this podcast, if you have enough money to like keep going with the legal process, you can kind of just like appeal your way out of a lot of stuff short of like, you know, mass murder. And you're like sitting there with a knife. But like, he said, she said type of sexual assault stuff. I think they're like, we'll just keep appealing it until we find the right judge that like says you can go. And a reporter from Vice wrote an article about him, about this reporter from Vice covered the whole trial and then ran into him on the, on the train in Boston and just chatted with him and wrote an article about it. And in, in his article, he had a line where he says, that's what ultimately makes Labrie come off as pathological, his own arrogance. Like if he had just said, oh, wow, this didn't go the way I thought it did. I thought she was into it. I misread the situation. I'm so sorry. They would have sent him to a sexual assault program and he would have been, like, everybody's life would have been better probably. Like, I don't even know that the girl wanted jail time. I think her family just wanted accountability. So in 2015, he was acquitted of the more serious rape charges, but he was found guilty on three counts of statutory rape, one count of endangering the welfare of a child, and one felony count of using a computer to lure a minor. So they were waffling on that, like whether to use that, because they were like, you know, that that law is really in place to stop like child predators from luring kids over the internet. It's not necessarily for peers who are talking to each other over social media, but they did get him on that. And that because of that, he had to register as a sex offender. So on October 29th of 2015, he's sentenced to 12 months in prison and five years of probation and to register as a sex offender. He was uh, released on bail soon after that just to live with his parents during all his appeals. And the New Hampshire Supreme Court unanimously denied his first appeal in 2018. And then in June uh, of 2019, he had a, a second claim of ineffective assistance of legal counsel. That was another appeal that was unanimously denied. And uh, apparently a confidential settlement was reached with the victim. And in June of 2019, he he was released from prison. He did serve six months of a 12-month sentence and he was let out early because of good behavior. Poor uh, Chessie Prout tried to go back to St. Paul's the following year in the fall after this incident. And the kids were horrible to her. Like her friends turned on her, people pointed at her. Um, she eventually, like she made it like to the end of the semester and was like, I want to get out of here. She went home and started attending a day school. And now she's an advocate for um, ending sexual assault on campus. And she did write a memoir called, I Have the Right to, uh, colon, A High School Survivor's Story of Sexual Assault, Justice, and Hope, which was published in 2018 with the help of a Boston Globe reporter um, who helped her write the book. So, you know, then recently a judge who let like Labrie off kind of easy was Biden nominated him and she tried to speak out against that, but it still went through. So, it seems like she's found like almost like a calling from this and like talking about campus rape. And then like other articles are like, oh, and Labrie trying to build his life back. Like 
I read this Jezebel article, which is also in my sources, about how Vanity Fair doesn't know how to talk about sexual assault because I know it's murky, just like the episode, but this kid definitely did it. And they're just trying to like paint both sides of like, oh yeah, it was really tough for her. Like they definitely made it show how tough it was for her, but they were like, but it was also really tough for him and he's got to rebuild his life and this and that. And it's like, yeah, and he could have just pled out like with an apology and he probably would have served any jail time or gone on the sex offender registry. So his own arrogance got him to where he is. So I don't really care if he builds his life back. But it's also like in the episode, you know, it's this kid. It's the one name on the list. He just wanted to belong. This guy is pathological. Yeah. This, he had hundreds, wasn't it like hundreds of messages about the salute? Like he was a ringleader of it. He, he knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. And it's so interesting about the arrogance because I, that it's, it's just, yeah. Well, and People what's think crazy- they're going to get away with it. Because I think about that with Louis a lot, where it's like he made a movie where the main character is jerking off in front of young people. Like, yeah. And just like wouldn't get ahead of it, wouldn't say it. And it's like, that's pure arrogance. Yeah. And like, what's crazy too is like, according to this, like, I don't know about the Cherry Pickers Club. I think you had to have sex. But like for this one... They say it could just be hooking up. It could just be making out. It could just be blowjobs or handjobs or whatever. It was just like hooking, it was just hookups. So he could have just made out with her and done the fun part that they were both enjoying and still gotten quote unquote the credit for it on his little list, but he couldn't stop himself. And he, cause he's like, uh, like a person that's just like, I get and what I want. thank God he didn't go to college. Because on college, he would have been raping all over town. Like, that's yeah. the thing. They're like, think of his education. It's like, thank God he's not there. It's yeah. a liability to have these types of men on campus. So that's, like, anytime someone will bring up, like, what about Stanford? And it's like, Stanford's a better place without your son in it. Yeah. It's one less predator there. So I'm fine with that, too. You're not entitled to get a full ride to Harvard. Sorry. Yeah, totally. All right, let's uh, let's dive right into our postmortem since we don't have a guest. Well, that was a harrowing tale of boarding school gone wrong. But you know what I found out? I actually ran into another person since we recorded this episode. I ran into another person who went to that school and I said, well, you know, we just covered it on my podcast. And she was like, oh boy. But she said the same thing that my other friend said. She was like, yeah, we didn't know anything about that at that school. But there was an older scandal at that school from, I believe, like the 70s or the 80s. Like, you know, we covered, I think on the podcast, we covered the Horace Mann. Like, there, there's all kinds of, like, abuse scandals that happen at, that happened at, like, elite private schools and boarding schools and stuff in, like, the 70s and 80s where people almost didn't blink an eye at, like, teachers having sex with students. If, like, you know, it was just kind of like a, well, you shouldn't, but tisk tisk, you know, it, it's not like a jailable offense. Well, because uh, there's one episode, did we cover it where Elliot Gould comes in yes, and he's like, oh, I'm the abuser. And they were like, oh, it seems like everyone liked fucking you, actually. Yeah, and he's like, <laughs> so, I thought it was like a romantic, like a mentor-mentee <laughs> romance. And it's like, you know, I don't know. We're uh, not doing that. Um, but, I love Elliot Gould. Yeah. I need him to come back to SVU, honestly. And you just found out he was married to Barbara Streisand, right? He's not married to Barbara Streisand. Oh, no, he was, though. But he was, right? Oh, I have no idea. 
Oh, did, wait. Did they have on. a son? Yeah. It, they were the biggest it couples in the 60s. Oh, okay. Although right. their marriage ended in 1971. Yeah, they share right, a right, son. Right, right, right. Oh, they have a son. Who's that? I already I forgot it. I already forgot that. <laughs> so I learned it and fully um, and then I let it out of my you. brain. <laughs> Um, um, I did see photos of Elvis recently marrying, you know, his child bride, but he was hot. I never really realized that. Oh, yeah. But now I get it. He's like pretty. Yeah, he's like, he is like a pretty boy. I know people have known for decades, but I just like, I didn't, I, I don't really think about Elvis. He's not, I I, get, I don't care. And so I don't, I, I mean, I love peanut butter and banana. So that's like how I know Elvis is peanut yeah. butter and banana. Because oh my at gosh. this frozen custard place in Chicago, the El- I always ordered the Elvis. And it was yeah, banana custard with Reese's. Oh, I, I've been I, I've been to Graceland, and I was like the whole time I was like, wait, why are people so obsessed with this guy? But you know, you look at him; he is hot. Okay, wait, I just looked up Jason Gould, and he looks just like Barbara Streisand with Elliot Gould's like hair. <laughs> and um, oh, and he's gay. Love that for him. And I mean, Barbara Streisand having a gay son is truly just the most divine thing. That I can mean, happen. I bet. I mean. I, do you think he's out at like parties going, you know, my mom's Barbara. Like, I mean, <laughs> if you think that hasn't gotten him late a little bit, you're crazy. <laughs> I just can't. Oh my God, there's a photo of him like with his finger up and I, my gifted son, Jason. I mean, he's making music. That's always, you know, yeah. sad. I, you know, maybe his music is good. Yeah, but I just, it's like so hard when you have these types of parents. Yeah. Like, that's what I mean. I always say this. I would never be a Nepo. I would chill out. I would be, I would chill out. I would spend my parents' money and hang and buy gifts for kids. Like, I think that's what I would do. Yeah. I don't think I'd want to prove anything. I just love doing stand-up. So I think I would like do stand-up, but yeah, I don't think I would like do things I didn't want to. Which- he's an actor and a singer and he's he's actually 56. I can't believe they have a kid that's that old, but yeah. I guess that makes sense. Uh, yeah, when you're born in the if they're married in the sixties, yeah. No, we're parents- we're entering an age where all of our favorites will be dying in front of our eyes. Oh my god! Like we're getting to the age where the in memoriam at the Oscars is gonna like really take us down. Like it's really gonna take us down. But let's get back to our post mortem. What did we learn from fucking these kids? I mean, like. I don't know, man. I think the thing is, is like, I do think that like high school kids, we have to teach boys about consent early. We have to like, you know, be doing this and stuff. But like this kid felt like he had like a special kind of um, arrogance that he was going to be a predator. Like, well, his mom, it was his mom. It's like, I hate blaming women for the actions of men, but it's like when you're raised with a mom like that, like, of course, yeah, you're not going to. Oh, in the, I was thinking of the real kid. Oh, no, 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 no. Yes, but you're thinking of, okay, yeah. I was like, I don't know if the mom was bad, but we don't really know much about her. But yes, in the episode, (laughs) yeah, like these people, like I really try to like look at my children from like, uh, like, uh, you know, I love them unconditionally, but I'm also like, don't think that they're completely blameless and like perfect, you know? Like you have to help them become good people and not just be like, he would never. Why? Because I made him. Like, that's crazy, you know? Why would he not, you know? Yeah, and I think Barba on the stand just did such a good job because it was like, did she say yes? Or you didn't even listen because you didn't even care. You went down there to get what you wanted from a person without 
ever thinking about their needs, yeah. wants, or anything. And I just thought that was like such a good Barba moment that I it will stick with me where it's like, yeah, and that's like when the Aziz stuff happened, people were like, it's not a crime, it's not anything. I go, you know, no one's saying he has to go to jail. The whole point that's annoying is that like, you don't even think about the like the woman that you're fucking <laughs> like in any capacity. Yeah. It's so weird. And, you know, we say this here where it's like these quote unquote tiny crime, like they grow. They, I don't know. Is that Yale guy who only got three months? Is he on the sexual registry list? That was Stanford, right? Yeah, yeah. Brock Turner. Well, did, he, did he get, uh, is he on the registry? One, let me, let me Google it. Because it's like, if they're not serving jail time, which is annoying, that's fine if they're on the fucking registry. Like, I think that is important. And their lives should be ruined. That's the thing. That's my yes. new thing. He's, no, a, he's a registered sex offender in Ohio, according great. to the Washington Post. Great. Because that's my whole thing where it's like, can you think about his future? And it's like, actually, I want to ruin his future. That's going to be my new thing where they're like, well, you don't want to ruin a man's reputation. I'm like, actually, I do. I really do. I want your life ruined forever. That guy too, like, that guy can't say oh, like it was hot and heavy. I guess I was like too into it and I wasn't paying attention to her feelings. I didn't hear her saying no. She was passed out, you know? Like you have, like it's so disgusting what he got away with, truly. And it, yeah, wasn't it the judge that was like, ah, whatever. Yeah, You're it, was, good. it was the, I don't want to ruin the future of this nice young man. Like it, that's, you know. And no thought at all about the trauma of assault and rape onto the victims. How is that going to ruin their life? Yeah. Why do we care about this Stanford loser and not the psychological trauma of, I mean, we read about victim statements all the time in our research and it's like people are affected forever. Yeah. By this. Uh, that's, it's, uh, we actually had a listener contact us and say that their friend was about to do a victim impact statement and asked me what episodes have good impact statements like, so she could show them to her friend. And I was like, what I can think of right now is the Brock Turner episode, which is called Rape Interrupted, which we will cover. But if you can remember any other like good victim impact statement episodes, let me know because I was having a hard time remembering. But the, the girl in real life at the Brock Turner case made a very impactful statement that was published. And so they are important. Anyway... Yeah, I guess just like fucking let's raise men to have consent, but that's asking a lot. And just, uh, it's not, it's like, it's honestly boiled down to if you are a man, do you consider women people? Like yeah. that is, that is how low the bar is. And that is like the actions of so many men. That is where I go to. Like, do you even see women as human at all with wants? I saw a clip. I mean, obviously my algorithms are trying to piss me off. That's like how I get in rate, you know? Yeah. And that's why I had to get off the internet. But I saw one where a dude straight up was like, married to his wife for like 10 years before he's like, oh, and then it hit me that like she has thoughts and feelings. Like, I do not think men honestly think that we are autonomous beings with full lives. <laughs> like, I really there, there don't. There are men. There are men that think that way. Yeah. yeah. Overall, but if, that, but if that was the culture, then Brock Turner would have gotten more jail time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, to pinpoint which men are good or bad defeats the actual thing where the culture does not take women as people. So it doesn't matter if we can name a couple men that we know that see us as full beings when overall, the, it's like 
it's the same thing with racism, where it's like, it doesn't matter if you think you're racist or not. We're living in this racist society yeah. and you're a part of it. And so like, even the men, like they have, like as much as me as a white person has to check myself constantly, it's like men have to also take that burden on and check themselves constantly and how they're approaching women. Yeah, and you also want to be like, I know these kids, like in this episode, these kids are like 16, 17, 18, 17, whatever, 18. But like, you want to be like, if you, like, yeah, if you saw women as people, you would also realize that for you, yourself, anything sexual is better when both people are enjoying it, really. Like, you know, like, it's not, unless you're not thinking of a woman as a person and you're like, this is just like a means to an end for me, you know? Yeah. And that's what that boy did. That boy lied everywhere. He wrote on that wall and then it was like he lied to everyone constantly. And I don't think he was drilled as hard as we've seen on the show, women that like don't disclose everything right away. You know, Buchanan yeah. always fucking... Yeah, but I mean, like, I plan to have the conversation with my son and my daughter where I'm like, if you're engaging in something with someone and they do not look like they are enjoying it as much as you are, stop. <laughs> like, you have to figure out what's going on and like... Yeah. You know. Well, um, so Steph Tolov, comic, she has a podcast about, I think it's Steph Infection. So it's about it's, gross stuff. I've been on, I've been on. I talked about like, I think my extra tailbone. Um, but. <laughs> which is like foot, like romper room compared to the chit she talks about on that podcast. I know, like, I know. That's like nothing. Did I talk about pink eye? I'm trying to think like what the grossest things about me are, but <laughs> um, she just had Bill Burr on. And the clip was that she was scared she was going to get me too because she kept putting fingers in guys' butts without their permission. <laughs> and Bill was like, yeah, you can't do that. She goes, no, I've learned. I've learned. <laughs> <laughs> like during hookups? Yeah. Just sneaking a finger in there? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it, it was just... Um, it just made me laugh. Um, but she's like, no, I, I've realized that now. Um, we can't, I can't do that. <laughs> without a like, little, yeah. without a little tap on the shoulder, like mind if I sneak around back, you know? Um, she just said one guy got so upset and he goes, and Bill was like, yeah. <laughs> but, and also well, shout out to Bill Burr defending his wife, standing, standing behind her for flicking off the president. Yeah. Ex-president. He's fucking, his wife rules. I love her. She's the best. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into our What Would Sister Peg Do for the week. This Women is our, are people and Bill Burr's wife is awesome. And she's one of them. <laughs> one of our best. What Would Sister Peg Do, our weekly segment where we point you to a resource, um, an organization, a blog, a book, a podcast, something to give you more info about what we talked about today. And for this week's um, segment, we wanted to point you to the book, I Have a Right to, uh, a high school survivor's story of sexual assault, justice, and hope by Chessie Proud. Obviously, uh, Chessie is the victim of the true crime we discussed, and this memoir is her account of her sexual assault and the aftermath from the high-profile court proceedings. It tackles rape culture at large and the epidemic of victim-blaming in cases of sexual assault. I think it could be a great read for also anyone who's thinking about sending their kid to a private school, a boarding school, a place where... Uh, you're dealing with a lot of people who think they are elite and entitled, um, but also for anyone. Uh, so that will be linked to in our stories the day it comes out on Instagram and it will be ta uh, saved forever in our What Would Sister Peg Do highlight. It's called a highlight on Instagram. And follow our Instagram, guys. It's That's Messed Up Pod. And next week we'll be doing Russian Brides. That's season 13, episode seven. That's pretty funny, 13 and seven. Both kind of lucky numbers for people. Kara, did you know 13 is Taylor Swift's favorite number? I didn't. 
It is. What's your number? 54. Mine's eight. Why are you trying to be different? What do you mean? Well, it's usually seven. You know, lucky number seven. And you just went one up. Oh, I just like, I've always loved the number eight. Yeah, it's a fun one. Feels like a lucky number for me. It looks like boobs. Okay. <laughs> Guys, thanks for listening. Uh, we love you. Come see us live. Uh, there's new merch up on the store. Blah, blah, blah. Send us an email. Send us a DM. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. See you next week. That's Messed Up is an Exactly Right production. If you have compliments you'd like to give us or episodes you'd like us to cover, shoot us an email at thatsmesseduppod at gmail.com. Follow the podcast on Instagram at thatsmesseduppod and on Twitter at messeduppod. And follow us personally at Kara Clank and at Glitter Cheese. As always, please see our show notes for sources and more information. Thank you so much to our producer, Casey O'Brien, and our associate producer, Christina Chamberlain. And to our mixer, John Bradley, and our guest booker, Patrick Kotner. And to Henry Kapersky for our theme song and Carly Jean Andrews for our artwork. Thank you to our executive producers, Georgia Hardstart, Karen Kilgariff, Danielle Kramer, and everybody at Exactly Right Media. Follow That's Messed Up and SVU Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show. Visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase That's Messed Up merch.